E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Oh, yeah. Happy Monday. Happy, happy Monday. One and all. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Derek Gunn, I am Rob Ellis. What's up, Gunner? How you doing? What is happening, my br- my favorite stepbrother? <laughs> What's up, man? All good. What's up, Twiz? What's up, Sween Bowl? William Stark, Mr. Taz, John Dickerson, Tyler, Jim G, JM, Shante. Who, who else did I see here? Jeeb, Shantasia. See some uh, names you haven't seen before. Some new faces, uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, Jeeb, GS, XR, Anthony, what's up? What's up? I uh, hope you guys are doing great. Hope everybody had an awesome Awesome weekend. Uh, Coach Marcus hanging out. Always good to see everybody. Uh, Mood Swing Bella, our girl. Mood Swing in the house. There she is. Uh, Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. And uh, yeah, yeah. Man, not like uh, we're we're lacking for things to talk about, D-Gun. It was a busy weekend. I got to ask you something real quick. Um, I've noticed something over the past several months. And um, when you don't know what I'm about to say, um, you get a little nervous. You get this sheepish looking grin on your face, like, oh geez, where's he going now? Yes. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? That is accurate. Yes, yes. You what? you uh the top of the show, you never quite know what you're gonna get with Derek Gunn. Hi, Peter. Uh you never know what you're gonna get. That's up, that's Peter? all I will say. Well, uh, you know what? I, I I'm a little hurt by that. Let me I mean, I try to throw you for a loop every now and then, but true. Uh, but it's not like I'm gonna give you something that would embarrass you or make you uncomfortable um i know it's from the heart but i still don't know exactly where we're headed with this at times with what you. the heck is that supposed to mean <laughs> i think you know what it means uh twiz what's up niners all day uh yeah so i look i um uh, actually that's part of the fun the part of the fun of the show is the unknown yeah, I always say when I do sports talk radio, callers are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get as right. far as Gump would say. So you're trying to say you're dealing with me is like, is that what you're saying? Correct. You are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get as as far as Gump said. Yes. Well, Thank I, I Kelly. That, what's up? I take that as a compliment. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That, that means you're, you are full of surprises. It means you're spontaneous. It yes. means that you keep us on our toes, which is what we like. What's so, up, baby? You have put me in a category of my family of what is wrong with you? Yes. Yes. It's okay. nice to, 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 for me to say that because I'm usually the one that that's said about. Usually it's what's wrong with you. Where, where, where do we need to do? Who do we need to have you see uh, to, to, to straighten out this craziness? Yes. What's see, up, Jared? John, John Dickerson says, D-Gun's new personality is food swing fella compared <laughs> to, to mood swing Bella. I like that. I like that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is good. I like that. Um, all right. So we had a we had a busy night last night. More than fifty thousand people went to Lincoln Financial Field for a practice. Uh, it was an hour thirty eight minutes. What's up, Barbara Carroll? Hour and thirty eight minutes. Um, great attendance. A Cowboys fan got booted out. I think at one point, uh, which was always good. Uh, that's never never a dull moment. But fans got to see. Unfortunately, it's about the only time you, you can really see, unless you're part of a select group that goes Correct. to the everyday practice. Correct. So they did get a chance. Tyler, what's up? You get a chance to see it um, out there. So if anybody in the chat or anybody listening or streaming was there last night and you want to you give us your impressions of what you saw, 
we will do that. That's for sure. Um, but it was a busy day yesterday prior to the open practice. They cut Davion Taylor, Derek, who was I'm a third. Pro. No, I've never made an impact. Let's face it. Um, third round pick who just, you know, the, it, it was a pick based on sort of projection because he didn't play a ton uh, in high school, if you remember, he right. uh, his uh, I don't know what denomination it was, but his religious beliefs uh, precluded him from playing on Friday nights. And then he played at Colorado and then, you know, it just never quite worked out here for whatever reason. So that was sort of the first uh, ball to drop here. And then after that, they went out and signed Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham to contracts to one year deals. And both guys were actually, they didn't participate in practice, but they were at practice last night. Um, you know, you're talking about guys with a lot of experience, both of them. Um, they started a lot of games in the league. Miles Jack of late with Pittsburgh his early years with Jacksonville. Of course, Zach Cunningham has been a Titan, a Texan. I'm sure I'm missing something else, but uh, that's where he's been of late. But you talk about guys who have started a lot of football games in their lives. But here's my question for you, Derek. Yes, Mr. Ellis. Other than Davion Taylor, I don't think any of us really had, let's, let's be real. I thought he'd be cut last year to be honest. Right. So we didn't really think he was going to be an impact. Okay. To say the least. No. What does that tell you about the linebacking situation for the Eagles and who should be worried most about their, their gig, so to speak? Well, like a, like a, we all knew. The linebacking is the weak link on this team. When you when you start chronologically stacking the weakest to the strongest positions on this Eagles team, the linebacking core definitely is the weak link on this team. Um, and I've said it a number of times, and we talked about it several times last week. I'm not so sure Nicholas Morrow is going to be the starting will linebacker. Yeah. Um, Christian Ellis, who 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 is a special teams player for them and had show flashes, you know, is much bigger. You know, and Morrow six one two fifteen, Ellis six three two thirty five. Then you go out and you get another linebacker, 6'1", 245, and another linebacker, 6'3", 230. They need some thump in the linebacking core. And I'm not saying that they're, they're closely watching Kobe Dean as well. Yep. Kobe Dean has yet to prove himself, but Kobe Dean is also a lighter-sized linebacker. Now, granted, there's some lighter linebackers weight-wise in the NFL that have been Pro Bowl players. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not fair to say, uh-oh, Kobe Dean's in trouble. Uh, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they felt they needed an upgrade. And I, we don't know if these guys are upgrades. Yes, they have been in the league for a while. But as we talked about in the show, my concern is, Rob, when it comes to certain teams that give up on certain players quickly, especially certain positions, the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, what are we missing and why? Prime example, okay, uh, Miles Jack, you know, coming out of – going into the draft, he was considered – the number one linebacker in the draft, but he was the fifth linebacker taken because of a degenerative knee issue. Yeah, and if you look at his career, he's had the knee issues his entire career, which is which has negated him from maybe doing some great things. He was in Pittsburgh last year. Pittsburgh is linebacker you, plain and simple. Yep. Pittsburgh gave up on him after one year, and I want to know why. You know, yep. and I don't know if I'll ever know. We'll ever know that answer. Yeah, and I'm not saying. Maybe he just maybe he just didn't fit into the Steelers linebacking culture there. Yep. Maybe he can thrive here. You know, they went out last year during the season. Identity. It took them X amount of games into the season to identify they needed to get bigger and stouter in the trenches. They go out and get Indomitian Sue and Linville Joseph. Okay, and for the most part, that worked out fine. Now all of a sudden, they go out and get not one but two bigger linebackers. Why? 
See, and that question is going to play plague me until I see these guys fit in a Sean Desai, Sean Desai uh, Matt Patricia scheme. It looks good on paper right now, but there's a reason why these guys have been available up to this point, and I want to know why. Yeah, it, it would seem to be more of an issue of Nicholas Morrow with the, at the will spot than the on-the-ball on linebacker spot with the Kobe Dean. But I, I think what this tells you is no one's safe. No one's safe here. Um, you know, let's face it. Nicobe's either been a little bit nicked up, and he's it's not anything serious. He's been, right. he's been a little nicked up, and, and he hasn't really shown out too much when he's been on the field. I, I get it. It's only practice, and he may be one of those green light guys where just when it gets real is, is when he takes over. Um, but that, and and it sounds like there's been a lot of, and we'll talk to Chris Franklin. Chris Franklin's joining us coming up at 1230 and he was there last night. And he's there every single day. He's got boots on the ground, but you know, it sounds like there's been a lot of Christian Ellis coming in there for Nicholas Morrow, which doesn't necessarily bode well, um, you know, for him either. What's up, Robert? What is up? And, you know, fitness and, 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 and I'm going to give, and I'm going to give props to uh word. I just see it here. Um, Dank green Kelly burrito. You know, the Panthers gave up on Hassan Reddick after one year. Look what he did here. Right. He made Jonathan Gannon. You know, Arizona gave up on him after a double-digit season. He goes to Carolina for one year, double-digit season. He comes here, double-digit sack season. So that's a valid point. You know, that's, that's a valid point. But sometimes certain players don't fit in one scheme. They either flourish or flounder in another scheme. All yeah. I'm saying is it looks good on paper. I have to see it in practicality before I can make a final determination. It looks good now. Now, let's see. Obviously, they're going to be on, on, on a crash course in terms of getting up to speed and w- in terms of what is expected of them in this defense. But I think it's interesting and it's going to be great conversation through the preseason games, uh, through the final cuts, to see exactly what Cunningham and Miles Jack mean to this team. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not dissing either one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, they may they may turn out to be Pro Bowl linebackers in, in a Sean Desai defense. We don't know. Right. I'm just saying it's always interesting. You know, especially at Cunningham. Cunningham hasn't had the history of injuries the way Miles Jack has. I don't uh, think he's performed as well of late as Jack has not. either. He's in not. fairness, look, I, I think this is the, this doesn't even mean they're done. No, they could see Jack out there, and they can. By the way, Nicholas Morrow has no guaranteed money, so tells you all you need to know, right? So he may not even make the team if they don't like what they're seeing. I don't. I mean, I don't think it'll be that extreme, but if they don't like what they're seeing out of Jack and Cunningham, these are both very low money deals. And I'm sure nothing's guaranteed to them either. That my point is they may not be done. They may watch these guys play for, for a couple, what do we have three weeks or whatever uh, of of training camp and say, I'm not happy with this and, and, and make a trade. This was just two guys you grabbed off the street. You didn't have to give anything up for. So uh, look, this is a, a, a work in progress. And we know that we know how he's history. And we know Nick's history. They they will not sit around if they're if they're unhappy with what a position is looking like. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't think this is nothing to see here. Keep moving along. I think it tells you. And I know they're a little bit banged up. At, at, you know, and some depth guys are hurt. But still, I think there's a little bit more to this that they're not loving the way the linebacker play has been thus far. You know, when, when you take into fact, and I brought this up when we had Ray Dittinger on Friday, the fact yes. that the losing NFC team in a Super Bowl, has not returned the next year since the Minnesota Vikings did it back in 74-75. That's a telling tale, and it tells you how difficult it is just to get back there. It also tells you that even though this team has seven new faces on defense, Howie Roseman is beating the bush doing everything that he can to try to make that product on defense that much better, that much stronger. You know, And maybe one of these guys or both of these guys 
is that missing link on the defense? We still have question marks in the back end on the safety position. But then again, we talk about this all the time. When you've had the kind of success this team had last year, everybody, every buzzer circling trying to pick off your carcass. And we saw it happen. Coaching staff as well as players. Now you've got to rebuild. And because it looked one way in April and May, it's how he tells us every year and shows us every year. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it's going to look in August, September, October. Mm-hmm. He's always thinking, always moving. He's constantly having conversations with his coaches. And if his coaches tell him, you know what, Howie, we could get a little different. I need something a little different, a little bigger, a little faster laterally. How is going to do? How is going to move heaven and earth totally. to try to make it happen? Totally. And th- and that's one of the things you love. You you have an uber aggressive general manager. You have a guy who will not look. They know. They're on the precipice of winning a Super Bowl last year. That, yes. that, that is, it is full speed ahead. This is not a rebuild. This is like, if you're rebuilding this thing, you just throw young kids out there and you see what happens. Who cares? No, you're trying to win right now. This is not learn on the job. You don't have that kind of luxury. These guys are going to have to be up to speed really fast and really prove it. And if they don't, then somebody else will be in there. Trust me when I tell you that. I don't care where Nicobe Dean was drafted. I know he was a third round pick. They just cut a third round pick and Davion Taylor. So you you got to perform, and if you don't perform, none of this will matter. That's for sure. I can guarantee you that. That job is not a given. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll get a little bit more, and we're going to get full impressions of what the open practice looked like. Uh, I'll just give you one, Derek, that I'm a, a little concerned with. Okay. It, 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 everything I'm reading about Marcus Mariota in terms of throwing the football, not running the ball, but throwing the football and and it hasn't been good in practice. It wasn't good last night either. Um, when you have somebody like Jalen Hurts who who will take off with the football, there's always that risk that he could go down. I don't think he's reckless, but it's the NFL and you could tackle the wrong way and stuff happens. Right. You need him for a few games and you're in one of these, you know, dogfight kind of games that you could be in after the the bye week. I don't know that Mariota can go toe for toe with some of these big boys that he might be facing. If you have to either mount a comeback or you're in a back and forth kind of game. I wonder about it. But, but the Eagles, the Eagles needed a backup quarterback, right? They did. Okay. When you looked at who was out there in the open market, it was the best available, Rob. I mean, that tells you, that tells you how thin the backup market really is, you know, and that's not a knock against Mariota. Yeah. It's no, it's the, the reality. It's yeah. the reality of what it is. The drop-off from ones to twos is gigantic. Yes. And the fact that he continues to struggle today, well, you still have a month before you hit the ground running, okay? And, mm-hmm. hope, and I'm not assuming that we're going to need, need to see a Mariota early in the season. Yeah. You know, if Jalen Hurst stays stays the course, he's going to be fine all the season. We don't have to worry about seeing a Mariota. Um, but – you needed a backup. You needed somebody who's been around a block a few times. Yeah. And when you and, and look at look at how how he goes about his business. Okay. Mariota's out of a job, right? He wants to stay in the game. You're gonna take less money, especially yeah. especially if you don't have many suitors out there. Mm-hmm. And if if Howie wants you bad enough, he's gonna pay you a little bit more to come here. And, and in Mariota situation, Mariota situation, why wouldn't you want to come to the team? that got oh so close to winning a Super Bowl. If you can't go back up on a team that won the Super Bowl, what's the next best option? Go to the team that won- that came with close to winning the Super Bowl because they're in a good position to possibly get back there again. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want why wouldn't you want that scenario? No, I I I think he absolutely would want to be here. I just hope that he can, you know, 
perform when called upon if necessary. Uh, that, that's what worries me about him. But look, again, we're talking about a backup quarterback, and you could apply that to almost every NFL team. If you get to that point and it's a backup, it's not going to matter anyway. You're, you're going to be in big, big trouble. All right, so uh, we will talk about it at 1230. Also, Phillies over the weekend. They take two of three from Kansas City. Derek, it was an ugly one Friday yep. in terms of the way that they played. Um, but something really unique – this just in. Aaron Nola gave up two more home runs. I know. Oh, my God. Um, but something really uh, unique, special, and I think something that really hit home with the players happened on Friday with the ovations, the standing ovations for, uh, for Trey Turner. Now, he didn't have a, what you call a big-time game on Friday. He did have an RBI single. Right. But it, you saw the same kind of uh, response from the fan base on – Saturday and he himself responded with a home run and a double uh I want to say six RBIs whatever it was four RBI sorry uh and two gems in the field you know two yes. balls where he really picked in the field yep. uh, uh, let me start there what, what did you think about the whole thing and and it clearly you you hear Bryce Harper you hear what Trey Turner said you heard what Rob Thompson said uh they loved it what, what did you think about the uh, standing yeah. ovation um I've been here over 25 years I've never been prouder of the Philadelphia fan base you know from from Bryce Harper's perspective especially coming off that road trip it's got to be swirling in the back of your mind what am I going to hear when I step to the plate the fact that these fans got up and gave this man a standing ovation, letting them know that they're behind you 100%. You know how mind-settling mind that is, just to go out there and try to do your job? He's been very honest and open about the struggles he's endured all season long. Mm-hmm. You know, he's read – I'm sure he's read the press clips. Of, you know, there are people up and down social media and in the media that have chastised him for having – being at the top of the league in terms of, of errors, uh, nowhere near the batting average and, and the run production people expected him to produce. And this fan base on Friday and Saturday went out there and gave this man a standing ovation to let him know, look, we are with you. And I think that helped him relax in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he had three consecutive at-bats between Saturday and Sunday where they were double base base hits. Yeah, hard, hard, hard. Yeah, hard hit balls. Hard hit balls, you know. And, you know, you just mentioned he made two great plays in the field. You know, he might have booted one of those plays before Saturday. We can't expect him. We're waiting to see which ball he's going to boot. He played a solid weekend. Yeah. You know, I think this is the first time we can say he's played a solid weekend. I, do you remember saying that? No, that I can't remember. It doesn't feel like he's put like an entire series together. Maybe all year. I mean, it's certainly none of them memorable. No, no. Um, for it sure. Was back in May, early May or something. Yeah. I, you know, here's what I think is um, interesting, like at least for me. There, is, there was a precedent last year with Bohm. And it worked. But I think a couple things have to happen along the way, Derek. Yeah. You need to be accountable. Yeah. Oh, made his mistakes, said what he said after the game stood up. Yep. My bad. I'm frustrated. Uh, I have to fix this. Fixed it. The rest is history. The guy's been awesome for them. Yep. Turner, to his credit, has never once pointed a finger, gave you an excuse. In fact, said the other day, I blew the game. He said, yep. I, I blew the game for us. Yep. So at every stop, he's owned it. You also, there's a human party that looks at the guy and you're like, boy, this guy's a mess right now. You could just see it. He, he was like lost, you know, his eyes. You could just see it in his eyes. So I, I think with, with all of that backdrop, like if he was just some jerk who was like, 
what do you want me to do, man? Yeah, you know, I'm doing everything I can. It's it's hard playing in Philadelphia. Like that doesn't happen if you're not accountable. So I think it was a great example of the city having some empathy and and trying an approach that that was new. And the player really being appreciative. And, and you know, it wasn't just it was him. It was his teammates too, Derek. And they really all were like, wow, this is cool. And I think I think all those things, all those sort of good vibes that were generated helped this guy. I really believe it helped this guy. Go back to Bohm for just a moment. When he got caught, he booted a ball at third base in 2022. Yep. And did Mike's catch him? What did he say under his breath about Philadelphia? What did he say? I, I hate this place or something yeah, I hate like this that. Town. I hate, okay. I hate this and then came out and said, that's on me. A young yep. player. So he came and the fans jumped behind him. Mm-hmm. They could have jumped down his throat. You know, we've seen it. We've seen this fan base rip players apart. Okay. Yeah. They could have jumped down. The fact that he owned the, the mistake, they rallied. They rallied. That's what he said. I have hate this place. Okay. Yeah. They rallied around him. Yep. And ever since then, you're right. He smoothed out his game mm-hmm. and look at the way he's playing now. Yeah. And the same thing with Turner. See, these players, if the players need to understand, if you own your mess, Philadelphia will forgive you for that. Yeah. Now, they may still boo you at times, but mm-hmm. because you're a stand up guy, you should notice you're from here. Yeah. You know, if you're a stand up guy, they're going to back you. They're going to give you your grace period. And what Trey Turner did this weekend is the start of the Trey Turner that we've been waiting to see all season long. I think we have seen it in other ways too, in other um, circumstances too. You know, I know how it's sort of been spun now, but Markel Fultz got like almost unconditional support when he was here. People rooting him on when he would shoot a jump shot or a free throw. Yeah. Because they knew he was going through something. Ben Simmons up until the end when it got ugly, People still had this guy's back. You remember yes, he would make yes. a free throw. They would go crazy over yes. it because they yes. were trying to get him going. So there, there is there is an element of like support that you get here that is unique and is is I think counter to what the reputation is nationally, at least. Yeah, you know, the rep nationally is uh they're just cretins, they're the worst, blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't think that's the case. But you're right, Derek. If you're not accountable, you don't give effort, then you're gonna get killed. Exactly. You will get killed. Exactly. You know, and, and that if the other pieces are in place, then I think, you know, things can change. Now, look, Turner goes on an 0 for 30 streak. Trust me, the standing ovations are going to stop at some point. But it was just in a time and a moment they were back home and that the fans gave the guy a little bit of support. And, and I'm good with it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I again, I understand there's a line at some point that you draw. You can't do it every game, et cetera. I know some people will say, well, why don't you do it for Schwerber? He's, he was sticking up the joint until yesterday. Why don't you do it for Nola? Because, first of all, do you treat all your kids the same way? No. I don't. No. Right? Everybody's different. Those guys have been here for a while. You were trying to show a guy who was a newcomer uh, a little bit of love. And, I, look, I think it worked. Let me, let me show you this. So this was with Trey Turner or the Phillies. I'm not sure exactly who decided to do this. But check out these. These are, these are billboards around the city. Uh, and that's Turner in, in between the thank the you and the Philly. So thank you, Philly. And that's Trey Turner there. But that to me, like any kind of, you know, showing of gratitude like that. Yes. Tells you something about this, this person or this team. What, whether, whether it was the Phillies, whether it was Trey Turner's representative taking the initiative, whether it was Trey, that's a great marketing ploy right there. You know, they, the fan base let you know, um, that they're still behind you. 
And instead of waiting until the end of the season, you jumped on it right away to thank Philadelphia. They embrace stuff like this, dude. Yep. Trey Turner is going to Trey, Trey, Trey Turner may continue to struggle, but the the, the, the two are messed now. They're entwined now. They're, it's a marriage. It's a, it's a marriage. This is not going to be a quick marriage. They understand the potential of this guy. They've seen it when he's played elsewhere. They saw it in the World Baseball Classic. They know what he could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep your fingers crossed and hope that he comes out of this at the most strategic time. As these teams continue to jockey for a position for the wild card spot, and right now the, the, the Phillies are in that prime, you're going to need Trey Turner. They understand it's going to be all hands on deck. And fans are hoping that this team just wakes up offensively yeah. and just takes off in September like they should. You know, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. When you stack this Phillies lineup against every other lineup they're in contention for a wild card spot with, there's no other team in wild card contention that can match the Phillies from one through nine in a batting order. And that includes – Kyle Schwarber, who's hitting below the Mendoza line, he's still, when he hits a home run, it's majestic, you know? Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And he had a big day yesterday. Yep. And that's a typical leadoff guy, but man, does he provide a pop in the front of that lineup. And that's one of the takeaways is not only just like all of the, Harper had a big weekend. Uh, Schwarber yesterday, Castellanos went yard yesterday. Uh, You know, Turner, all the guys we've been screaming about, you know, it can't just be Stott and it can't just be Bohm. Well, you guys got to start no. pulling your weight. So they all pulled their weight. If there's any takeaway from the series, yes, you won two out of three, but it's also that those guys yes. look like they're on the right path now. So and that's now they've lost Marsh, Marsh for a while. Right. And that, man, that's that was tough. He, he went into that, that thing hard. Um, but the, the good thing is there's nothing structurally wrong. It's just, right. it, it's a deep bruise and he's swollen and he's sore and he, he's, you know, I think it's all, I think it'll be about two weeks, which is, you know, could have been worse, you know, for sure. But if, if the front of the order starts hitting the ball the way they hit this weekend. Yeah. Well, you know, as much as I love, I love, I'm a big Marsh start, you know, bone fan, you know, yeah. but if those other guys, the big money guys start hitting like this on a consistent basis. Yeah. And, and you know what, Marsh, if you need more than two weeks, Take your time. If exactly. these guys are holding their way, if it's if it's three weeks, take your time so you can get ready for the stretch run. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, let, let's get a timeout. We have Chris Franklin from uh, NJ.com who was at Eagles Open Practice last night. We will discuss that with Chris and just everything that he's seen thus far uh, through tra- training camp, and we'll certainly talk to him about the Eagles making the linebacker move. So let's get a timeout. We'll come back with Chris. We'll continue with the Eagles discussion. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. Uh, we are Sports Take. Let's hit the like button as well, friends, if we could. All right, I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza. I was in there on Thursday night. Thursday night, got the wings and the fries. Killers. Just absolute killers. And I'm thrilled that they're a part of the show, part of the channel. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've been going there since I was a kid. Uh, they've been in business since 1985. You got Alex and the crew in there just cracking out the most fresh, best food possible all right they have 20 different styles of pizza they have slices to go specialized pizza the way that you want it and they don't just have pizza fresh pasta sandwiches wraps wings salads bravo pizza of havertown is also committed to the community they have fundraisers for charities for schools for little leagues where the proceeds go to those organizations you could follow them at the bravo pizza of havertown on instagram and facebook for daily specials and promotions they're at 1305 westchester pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. All right. Happy Monday. Welcome back. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis hanging out with you, talking Eagles. Uh, and we will continue to do so with our next guest who covers the birds on a daily basis. He is the beat writer for NJ.com. You can follow him on Twitter at C Franklin News. And he was down at the link last night. Chris, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great. It, it, it's finally here. We actually got to see the link for the first time in, in months. And yeah, I, I felt home. I felt like I was home. <laughs> it was good. It was comforting, <laughs> yes. Uh, and we actually have a game in five days, which is, you know, even harder to fathom. Um, but let, let's start with you. Just give me, Chris, whether you want to go fans, whether you want to go something that stood out positive, negative, uh, or something weird that caught your eye, whatever. Give me some impressions of, of last night from what you saw. I think the fan. I'll, I'll start fans because I thought it was just funny seeing that every. It felt like they were in midseason form. I mean, you had the guy in one section one fifteen holding up the Cowboys towel. You saw another fan on the eagle on, on the on the Eagle sideline side wearing the Justin Tuck jersey, and then everybody just cascading booze upon them. So it felt like they were in midseason form. Uh, I thought. I thought offensively, I thought that was one of the more sluggish practices. Probably the most sluggish practices they had all all camp. I think there's some things they would like to take back. I don't know if it was like they're just trying to get there in the moment, getting used to everything, seeing the crowds and everything. So that was a little bit. Uh, but overall, I, I feel like it was just good that everybody got back. Like some of these guys got to see the experiences. And then we also got to see Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham for the first time. We got to see them line up. So I thought yeah, there's a there was a lot going on that in, in that one slow day in one day, but it was just it was pretty cool. Nice. Gunner, you muted, bud. Yeah. I haven't had oh, to stay in a long oh, time. Oh, the streak I is over. Do it. I'm the streak. Silent count. You going silent count there? 
Hey, Chris, is it, is it true Sirianni kind of lost it with some of the players on offense or his offense in general? Do you get I a think little uh, he, he, he's gotten heated. I think he's gotten heated. I think every practice so they at one moment or something because he's been looking at defense. I remember early, earlier on, he's always like when it comes to because he, he's you don't have him in details. Well, every coach detail, but you know him, especially in the situation moments. You know he'll, he'll it, it's become a regular occurrence. Like it's nothing like I think the players know it too. It's nothing like oh my god, he yelled at them. Oh, it's one of those things at airport. I mean, I mean, very wrong. We see he's going after your starting quarterback, your franchise guy, just paid two hundred some million. At first, you're like, oh, but. It's how these guys react afterwards. Is if they take it constructively and get better from after that, or start sulking? I haven't seen anybody start sulking or anything like that. So it's one of the things that he just just don't do the pre snap penalties. He'll probably be on your good side. <laughs> um, well, Chris, let's like you just mentioned it. We talked about it last segment. So let's talk about the uh, the additions here, and we've seen them do this before in camp for sure. But Miles Jack, Zach Cunningham, is that just hey this? They legitimately don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, Nicobe's still dealing with the ankle. Not a lot to read into it or read into it because nobody's really shown much here, frankly, uh, and you're there every single day. Uh, but but you tell me, how do you look at these additions? I think it's a little bit of both because I know they're, a lo- I know they're low on numbers with, with things, but when you start having like Nolan Smith having to play off the ball, you have Janarius Robinson starting to line up a couple of times, like an off the ball. You see this like, I know, I know you tinker a lot early on, but – as over time, you see that more and more. It's like, nah, it's not there. So they need they needed somebody, I think, over with that because I just think this needs some more veteran veteran presence in that in that in that linebacker room because you had a lot of guys besides Morrow who's in his sixth season. You had Sean Bradley who's four who's four season. After that, everybody else like two years mm-hmm. or, or drafted rookie. So you need some veterans to start pointing stuff out because we all know the size system. You know, it, it's starting to be that man match, and it's a lot of communication. You have to see a lot of stuff, but if and anticipate what the office is going to do with the motions and everything else. So you, you need some veteran guys back there to help them out. And I perfectly, I think I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Cunningham in this system, as opposed to Jack. I think when you look at his off of his ability to play that will spot next to Dean, I think he can play well and, and help guide him along when you see this. It's like, Hey, I see this. I hope you see in this too and help him out that way. Okay. Are you, are you surprised you let Taylor go? Because I thought he should have been gone last year. Uh, so I'm not really surprised. And I hate to say that, but I just thought that he was never going to cut it here. I thought, I thought, uh, especially when they brought back. I, I know they didn't bring back; they didn't sign have DJ Elliott here just to help Davion Taylor. But I thought, you know, getting a familiar voice in there would help him out along the way. And I think when you look at his ability, uh, if anything more, as a special teams guy or a developmental guy, but you know, he's can't be a developmental guy. Being twenty twenty, he can't be like that. So when you see that. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. He was, I think he was going to cut anyway. But say, Tom, I would seriously not be surprised if he's back in some shape or form on a practice squad by week one. I really wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Chris, okay. let me go. Let me go back to Dean then. Just uh, th- what I keep hearing from people who are there every day. I know you are. Is hasn't looked bad, but just hasn't really popped. Is, is that an apt description of of what it's been so far? And is that because he's thinking too much out there, or is it just the way it's gone? He just doesn't really shown a lot. I think it's the way it's going, and it's especially coverage. I thought at least a couple of times, I think in coverage, I wanted to see him like at least not so much. You don't have to get, it'd be nice to see some interceptions, but at least get to be to the past deflections because a lot of times they've been completing a lot of stuff underneath. And you want to you want to limit them, okay, I get that, but I want to see him be a little more aggressive in the passing. That's personally for me, but 
I think it's more with things like I don't know if it's a he needs to feel like a, a real game situation where he's able to really truly flow through the ball and try to get in there, squeeze into where the gap's going to be, and then try to make a tackle that way. I don't know if it's that as well too. So I wouldn't put that past him, but he's he's somebody I would I would I want to see like take it up to another level in terms of does our coverage and everything else. I think he's calling the right defenses. I think when he's seen what he's seen, he's done a good job with that. It's a matter of and trying to make some more some more bigger plays in that right. second level. When I, when I look at Cunningham, the thing that intrigues me about him is where are you going to play him? You said he could be a, a prime candidate for that will spot, but you look at wherever else he's played. He's played both inside and outside. He's played in a 3-4 and he's played in a 4-3. Now, the Eagles, the way their linebacking core stacked up, stacked up initially was you had two linebackers in in Morrow and, and, and Dean who were both under 220 pounds. Now they go out and get two linebackers that were 245 and 230 plus. It seems to me they want to get a little stouter also, especially with the run defense. I think I think they still view the run defense as, as being susceptible. You know, and, and a lot of times you need that linebacker to be able to come up and provide that thump. Yeah, especially if they go nickel. I mean, yeah. I, if I'm looking at them, especially how many times you see the three three wide receiver things come out. That's one of the things where I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised to see him if one of those guys is like the dime back here and there once in a while. Because if I'm running inside, if I'm spreading you out and I'm running inside between the tackles, yeah, you can wear. You can wear. That's how you can ball control this. Keep that yep. Eagles offense on side. You ball control. I think when you have one of these guys out there, if they're out there with Dean, I think one of the sides gives you a little bit more of a physical presence. Now, either one of these guys, either Jack or Cunningham, they're not world beaters when it comes to coverage. They'll handle right. their own. You're not going to. You're not going to be like, wow, this guy should be all pro because you know he can do his pass defense or anything like that. But they'll just they'll they be adequate and adequate when it comes to there. But yeah, when you go to nickel, I think I think that's that's a concern a little bit, especially mm-hmm. tomorrow. That feels like a t-shirt. They'll be adequate. Yes, let's go. <laughs> Adequacy. Here's my uh, yes. Here's my Kelly Green dirty for them. Yes. <laughs> and run through a wall. All right, Chris. Who uh, I mentioned this with Gunner earlier. I'm Maybe maybe I'm just whatever. I'm, I'm it's a good thing because I'm going to like backups now. But it seems that Mariota's really had a tough time in the passing game in terms of just just you know basic throws. Uh, we know he's got the wheels, but what are you seeing there from him? Part it's 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 weird because I look at him. It's like it seems like he goes one two and then one run. That's a one two one progression two progression run, and. I look, I look at the way that he, he's – the touches just seems not to be there on his passes. There's signs that some of these guys are open and there have been tight windows to get them, but they've been open, and he's just missing them. He's overthrowing them, toward, especially towards the sideline. And to me, I think that's one of those things where you have to – you feel settled, especially if you're in the pocket and you just – your feet – if you're just – look your feet calm and everything else, you throw it out that way, it feels like – I just feel like he's just rolling – when he's scrambling, rolling around, not doing this, he's not being as accurate – doesn't help when the second uh, team center, you know, when the snaps are going low and they're fumbled right. too and everything else. But I, I, I wish I, I wish I saw a better version of him at this moment right now because I think there's still a lot more that it is. It's right. It's, for me, I'm, a, I'm still a little concerned with him back there if, if something were to happen, it hurts. You know, I had mentioned this to Rob earlier, and we talked about you know obviously the sh- the show quarterback gave a lot of insight into Mariota's demise down in Atlanta. And I mentioned to Rob in the first segment that when the Eagles decided on a Mariota, think about what was out there. There was not much out. There's not much out there in the way of backup quarterbacks. They needed a backup. Minshew's gone. He was the best of the lot, you know. 
at least he has NFL experience. I'm not saying he's going. that's going to transition to him if he has success here, if something happens to Hurts. But he was the best available, you know? And why wouldn't you want to come to the team? If you can't go to the team that won the Super Bowl, what's the next best option? Go to the team that came close to winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> and thank goodness he's having these issues now instead of September, October. Hopefully he can iron it out. But I do think there is some value for Mariota if he can get his passing game up to par with his running game. And there's some and there's there's some things that can go into it as long as you learn a new system and, and, and it's being different from the one you run. It's this system's not run by a lot of people. It's yeah, I'd be surprised if there's another one that has one like this, but it, yeah. it's unique. And so it, some of the progressions change, but even when it comes to basic slants, dig routes, makeable makeable throws, he's just not hitting them at all. Is he needs to improve ASAP. Interesting. Uh, all right, let, let's go to the positive here. Um, give me your impressions. I know, I, I again, from what, what I was seeing last night, it looked like he was okay, solid. But but Jalen overall, I think, other than maybe, what was it, Thursday, has has had a pretty good camp thus far, Chris? Yeah, he only had one, the one. That was his first interception. I think he was trying to just throw it to try to do some stuff to say, hey, what if, let me just see this. And I like, he looks in rhythm. And like in a conversation, we talk about Mariota, and it was like, is that – He's not comfortable that Jalen's just sitting back in the pocket. And even when he is rolling out, he just looks sure he's getting the ball in the right areas. He's getting him in, in catchable balls for receivers to make plays, especially I've seen when it comes to Brown and Devonta Smith on those sideline routes, it's just, it's just automatically clicking now. They just know like, Hey, you know what? You get this ball here. I'm probably going to be a high chance. I'm going to make this play. Even with defenders jump. I saw when it came to uh, Josh Joe, who's, Surprisingly, he's surprising me a little bit, a little bit how well he's covered so far. Being that close on Devonta Smith, and he's hurt still fitting the ball inside there and, and making the play. I look at that and I see that he's he's really mature. He's continuing to mature as a passer, and it's and I think especially the third year as a starter in the system getting as many reps. I think we're legitimately. I know he's a runner up. I legitimately think he has a very very good shot to win the MVP this year. I really truly do. Wow. Chris, um, knowing Howie like I know Howie, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's done. He's still <laughs> and dealing somewhere. From your perspective, what's another area of concern that Howie could address? I think they can look at the uh, the safety spot. Mm-hmm. I really, I think there's just to get another veteran, a few more veteran, a couple veteran eyes back there. They haven't been too bad. They haven't been too bad. I mean, they've been, but they've been mixing and matching, trying to find combinations left or right. We've seen Kayvon Wallace getting first team reps, Terrell Edmonds getting down and down there, Reed as well. I'm and then you still have Sidney Brown still young. And to me, I'm I don't want to rush Brown because playing safety is very tough, especially as a rookie, because you got to worry about your inside and the inside assignments as opposed to just being a corner on the outside. So I look at them, I wouldn't be surprised that one. And to me, you have especially before that last week before training camp's over. If you want to dangle one of those running backs out there, if you have a good idea which one of those five running backs you're, winning, you're going to move on from, why not dangle one of them trying to get that back? I mean, I'm looking at – if I'm the advanced team, I'm looking at the Indianapolis Colts team where they have that somebody who may be standout. I know it's going to be tough there, but, you know, they, you know the running back issues they're having out there, eh, maybe throw one of those guys out there, see if they have somebody who shows, who's promising you may be under control for a week, uh, for a year or two, and who knows, maybe some, you, you find a diamond in a rough that way, but – yeah, safety for me is is the spot. Chris, how's um how have Carter and Davis looked on the interior? 
Davis to me is like he's gotten a little bit better, especially in the past game. They were running a lot. They were running a lot four man defensive really? line fronts, and I was like, all right, this is just I guess try to see that. And well, last night, right? Sweat push. Davis, Cox, and Reddick to start, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're looking at them, and I like the I like the way he still he was he's been able to get two guys drawn to him, which you want to see. I mean, you want you want him to be that guy to take up two guys to free up more one on one opportunities. So I like what you see. Out of him, Carter, he's going through his rookie stuff right now. You can tell, like, it's almost like he's he's still thinking his way through. Like, okay, I have to look at this assignment, then this assignment, and then slows his way. It's like this was like a step slower because he's still processing. It's one, of those, and once he gets used to it, more comfortable with assignments, and everything else, I think you'll start to see his athleticism take over a little more. But he, he's going through. I think he's going through his rookie, uh, his rookie beginnings and initiation right. stuff right now. Who, who do you think is going to emerge as the number two tight end behind Goddard? Is it Arnold, Calcaterra, Stoll? Who is it? Oh, they need Stoll. This is the second one. Because when you look at the, just the blocking aspect of it, I think you need a, another guy there. Because I know it's a passing league. I know everything else. But if you want to have Goddard going out there and you need another thing, I think Stoll is going to be that one. And it's, it's not the prettiest of receiving times when he's out there going his routes. But yeah, I was shocked that uh, he, got, he got as many targets as he did last year. You know, start Jalen started to trust him a little bit more, but I think when you look at what he does for your blocking aspect, he allows Goddard to go out there a little bit. To me, it's a battle for the three, and I was definitely thinking like before. I'm thinking, like, all right, Calcaterra's got this. Calcaterra's got this, but Arnold, Arnold's starting to get up, creep up a little bit. And then you still got Tyree Jackson a little bit, still lingering around too. I think to me, it's going to come down to who blocks better at the three because we all know that uh, he got to do well with that quarterback sneak. If not, if you're just letting guys go in, I'm like, yeah, you go. See, that's what I was going to follow up and ask you. Is the Tyree Jackson experiment just about over? I mean, the dude, 6'7", got a wingspan like a 747, but he's never been able to stay healthy. <laughs> that's that's his issue. If if he stayed healthy, especially that first before that ACL tear, I'm thinking he's the number three tight end easily, and he could be a great wet, uh, red zone threat. I really, yeah. if you had, you had, you mean tell me you have to worry about A.J. Brown, you got to worry about possible crossing matchup with Goddard and Tyree Jackson going across. You got Devonta Smith on the outside. Mm. And you got, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurst can still run. That would be good. But the thing is, he can't stay healthy. And he still needs to work on his blocking, too, because you can tell it's still – he's gotten better from where I'm initially seeing him when he entered the league. But you still tell it's kind of a quarterback trying to block. And he's trying to get – he's gotten better. He's got his hand placement a little better. But it's he, – he, I think if I had to start saying the season, if they're making rosters right now, he's on the outside looking in. Right. Let me ask you about two names who I don't think mo- most of us had on our radar coming in. Makai Garner and uh, Nada uh, Nagata, excuse me, the, the receiver out of Clemson, undrafted Joseph Nagata. It seems that I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about both. Tell me, give me a little bit on those two guys. To me, those are my two camp standouts by far. Like that, the dark horses. They're to me, they're a dark horse. I like a star Garner. Garner is really physical, and I like that. So you, you need a cornerback like that as well, because I know a lot of times you think of the zone, you're thinking, okay, one two, let me just get to my area that one. I like the fact that he's gotten into some of these receivers' faces and start trying to reroute them as well. And he's been sticking to their hips as well, too. I like what he's done. He's gotten beat. Yeah, he's gotten beat a couple of times because I think he's been there's been instances where he's too physical trying to get there. But I like what he brings in that way. I look at Nada. I think he he I don't he's an interesting case because I don't think they carry six wide receivers just because he needs other places. But he's a guy where I look at. I'm like, okay, you can see him being a developmental guy. Runs those insides. I was a bigger receiver. He's mm-hmm. He's like he, he's around the, the to me it was like the same build like, like AJ Brown type. Not AJ, he, let me say he's not AJ Brown, but he's got the AJ Brown type build. Yeah. And when you're running those RPOs, when you're running those slants, 
you can hit him. My only thing is, it seems like every time he catches the ball, he's slipping afterwards. Like, take your cleats, man. Is he take playing in Arizona? What's going on? Sodfather must have went to the Novacare Center all of a sudden. <laughs> like, and it's affecting him. Like, because you see him, he makes these catches. Like, cool. And then he's slipping and falling to the ground. And, Dude, change like, your spikes, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he could be, he could, he should easily have about another like 20, 25 yards after the catch. Like, he's. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew, but those two guys to me, I really like what they've shown so far early on. I, I can't wait to see them in these preseason games. Yeah. I, I haven't heard much about Zacchaeus in training camp. Has, has he done much of anything? I mean, a 5'8 slot guy, has he done much of anything in camp? It's been very, it, to me, it's been inconsistent with him because you'll see in the individual drills, he'll make, he'll have a few drops or he's double catching. He's double clutching. Like, he's double catching. He's like, and so when everybody says, like, hey, Oh, he's going to be a three. To me, I still think Watkins is your surefire three because I just don't think he's shown early on. And Graham, I'll preface this early, but I think early on, he's just, it hasn't been a lot of clean catches with that. Mm-hmm. So I, you want him, like, and there's times when you see him, they'll run like these, a uh, certain play, and then he makes this, it's like he makes his unspectacular catch. Like, all right, I can see this. I can see why they got him, but it's too inconsistent. And I, w- I and then that's, it seems like that's the turn with this camp. You just want, uh, when it comes to a lot of things, you want consistency across the board because you see a lot of these guys flashing, and other guys, these guys will take two steps back. Like, what, what are you doing here? So, yeah, I, I think he's the number. I think he's steadfast in that number four spot. All right, we we focused on the linebackers, but safety, and that's another concern area, right? Um, Sidney Brown, everybody's just like, man, this dude's waiting to pop. He wants to just kill people, and obviously, you can't <laughs> do that kind of stuff a lot in practice, right? So, we're hearing that. But it seems like he's at least made his way up to the twos. He was with the threes early, right, Chris? So, how are things looking safety wise, in your opinion? I think you're gonna. I thought he's gonna kill somebody last night. I really thought, like, oh no, he's like, like Marcus Epps hit Boston Scott last year. I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a concussion here. Here we go. But yeah, you look at that. I look at the way it's turned out. I think you, Blake Blankenship's one of the stars. I think I, from what we've seen in OTAs, a lot of times, really, it's OTAs into early training camp. It was always Blankenship. And uh, Edmonds, yep. I wouldn't be surprised. You see a lot of three safety looks, and they sh- they show a couple times and they play in that big nickel. So I think that's an opportunity where you can get Brown in there in the field, have him be there. We all know his ball hawking skills. Yep. Allow him to play back and let everything develop underneath and see where he does, and let him choose his spots to try to pick the ball off. I think that one there. Kayvon's gotten a lot. I'm shocked. Kayvon Wallace. He, he's played. He's played. He's warranted playing, getting some more run. He, he's played a lot well early in camp. It's a matter of thing when it comes to him, like always, is, is the coverage. You know, mm-hmm. he's more of a box safety, so you look at that. Where, so I can think, I, I, to me, I think they hold steadfast, and this is early on. I think they hold steadfast with Edmonds and Blankenship being your starters, but I think you'll see Sidney Brown being mixed in here and there, especially in a big nickel type role, so he can allow him to to do his thing. Why haven't we heard much about Greedy Greedy Williams? I mean, he was a quality corner in Cleveland, but nobody's talking about him in camp. Is is he? Underperforming as well. I mean, because I think he could play safety also if he had if he had to. Here's the thing: I, it's so many guys at that position. Yeah. That's a, it, it's one of the like we were talking about earlier with running backs, cornerbacks will be another thing where I think it's going to be tough. You know, we see a lot of names. You're going like he's he's had a solid camp to me. I mean, greedy got a little greedy on one of those plays. AJ Brown he would have been flagged for pass interference. Got a little bit, yeah, get handsy, but another physical guy, another guy likes to take disruptive timing early on in the route and. It's to me, it's just a numbers game. I mean, you could, I know you can use them back there and do this, and we're seeing more and more positions like back seven where guys just line up and say, Okay, I'm just gonna put my best on your best, and we'll just go from there. Yep. Yeah, it's possible. It's some, 
you seen him more like focused on his on a cornerback, and right now, <laughs> it's I'm looking. You look at Joe Garner and Williams trying to vie for one of those spots. It's ugh, it's tough. <laughs> it's just, it's, I think he's just like got lost and lost because everybody else is really going out there right now. Chris, ha, ha, will we see? I I know we're not going to see like Jalen Hurts, so I don't mean these kind of guys when I ask this. But will, will we see any sort of name guy like will? Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith or uh, any any of those kind of guys get reps. Will they do they want to get Jurgens reps in games? Like, will we see any of them in Baltimore or or and or any of the preseason games? I think it's still be decided. I haven't heard anything for myself there. If I'm them, I'm we know how much they value these over the uh, joint practices. Yeah, almost like a almost like their games themselves. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if like Carter and Smith get some get some playing time just to get them their feet wet to. How they warm up, how they get used to things, how they do things before a game. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I don't think you'll see a lot of main star Jurgens to me. I mean, I don't think there's much to prove for him at yeah. the uh, at the center spot because you know he's not going to be. He was back, so you're not going to see him playing that way too. And he should start. You want to value that guy because he's going to be starting lineman. So he he may get some. If maybe a series, I don't know. It's tough to still figure that out for him, but I wouldn't play him too much as well too because he's going to be a poor part of your offensive line. See, my rags the riches story this year has to be Derek Barnett, you know, and, and I'm and I'm think the Eagles are going to give him every opportunity possible to be a definitive part of this front, this pass rush. Has he had any standout moments or has he just been okay? He's been all right. I mean, he deflected one pass earlier or earlier, one of Hertz's passes early, but that's that's been about it. And I think they, they, he's been limited a lot because they've still been working on a knee and yeah. I still think his roster I, I really do the fact yeah. that we, they restructured that deal was a to me was a clear indication like you know we're bringing you back and they, they even liked them la- last year before he tore his ACL they were still high on him they, Nick was really going to bat for him and they, they the guys in the locker room love him because they, they, they've seen what he's going through I mean Brandon Graham still you know he's like he knows because he knows that too they can develop late too I think he's the second game especially against the Browns he, he's going to need these joint practices to really stand out and get that rush from yeah. that outside he okay. really is going to need to do that in flash, but I still think he makes his roster. I think he's going to be a guy like Denarius Robinson who yeah, starts to question, is he going to make the roster because of that restructured deal now? Mm. Chris, we, we kind of touched on it, but what, what has what's Nick's message been? Has it been a lot of, hey, man, you, he, he hasn't been afraid to reference the Super Bowl, look at it himself almost obsessively from, from some of the stuff that I've seen. Whereas some other coaches may say, "Hey, we got to forget that. We got to move on. It's forward, you know, et cetera." What what is what has been his message to this team that we all have pretty high hopes for? But you know, it's hard. We all know it's hard to get back there. He doesn't want them thinking about a Super Bowl. He doesn't want them thinking about hearing what's going on. Oh, you guys are supposed to be the NFC favorites. He's he's using that old cliche, old adage: "We're going to take it one day at a time, one game at a time, one rep at a time." We all know that one too. Yeah, I think right now, I think that's the best way to do it because they, I, the players they they know they're good. They know they're a good roster. They know that. And the last thing you want to do is thinking, oh, we can just be complacent, and then next, and then halfway through the season, all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, we should have had a couple of games, we should have won, and then you're starting to worry a little bit, you're panicking, and that's how everything spirals. So it's been basically he's just he wants to look at the short term and, and not to think it. He's going to really think that going to gather everything up, and then everything that's going to lead to. Uh, find a, a good a, another playoff run but he's they're just focused on the short term right now and not that long term right now he's, at least that's what he's trying to get across to them. right 
no question. Uh, listen, man, uh, always, always good getting the info uh, from someone who's there up close and personal, Chris. We appreciate it, brother. Appreciate keep you, up, brother. Keep hey, up the good work. Yeah, follow him on Twitter at C Franklin News, and of course, wait, wait, MJ. follow him on what? On what? Oh, oh sorry, X. Follow X. Dante Holes. Throw your Dante Holes up. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I know that's going to take me a while. I got to tell you to get that out of my system. That's X. ridiculous, X. Oh, I don't like. I don't like it. Like it's like like the only X that should be involved with the Eagles and everything else. When we talk about Weapon X and Brian Dawkins, all this other X and X this that X. It goes DMX. And every weapon X or anything else, just yeah. X, nah, just make it Twitter. Like it business, you want to establish a brand. Yeah. Once you establish it that's successful, you roll with it. Like, what are you doing? I, I don't know, whatever. Twitter, Go the Prince way. X, X, this. You know, X, that's X. <laughs> yes, yes. The social media site for me known as X. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go the Prince way. I'm never, I'm never referring to it as X. Never. I, <laughs> Chris, listen, man. Th- thanks for a couple minutes. Uh, we do appreciate it, brother. Thanks. All right. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate right, it. Take care. Man. All right, actually, Tone, I need um, I need the Carson Wentz still of Carson Wentz uh, working out. Gunner, we didn't get we get a chance to get to this in the first segment. I want to show people what Carson is uh, his his uh, wardrobe, what he's rocking here to get ready to try to make the uh, make his comeback, if you will. So currently, Carson Wentz is out of football. We know that he does want to play. He has said that he will accept the role as a backup. All right, so this this is real. Eagle helmet. Superimposed. No, this is real. Eagles helmet. Washington Commanders jersey. Colts shorts. So you're looking at you know working your your. <laughs> actually, you're not even working your way backwards. You're going middle. Down up, uh, you know, for what the career has been of late from Carson Wentz. You're telling me like there isn't. I, I get it. Maybe you don't have a lot of helmets lying around, but. You couldn't have thrown on a different pair of shorts or a different jersey over your pads. It's a marketing ploy, man. Is he's that de- what it is? He's desperate. I think it looks desperate. weird. Let's 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 put it like this. <clears throat> 2017, he was a viable Eagles MVP candidate. Okay, until yeah. he hurt until he hurt his knee. Look at his how his career spiraled downwards since, and the storylines that have come out behind him, not just in one but two places. All right, how many yeah. people? How many people do that? Looks fun. That looks like a Halloween get up. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. First of all, there's a reason he's still out there looking for work. Yep. I don't know if anybody wants to touch him right now based on stories that have been told about him. Yep. See, there are quarterbacks sitting out there waiting for jobs that are just caught in a numbers game that there's nobody really looking at them right now because they have younger players they want to look at to see if they can develop these younger quarterbacks, so on and so forth. If they find out one of these younger guys is not it, then these veterans they can get a call. I think he's last on anybody's priority list to call as a backup. He's got the talent. He can run. He can throw. But there's a, that other stuff that came with him <coughs> that has tainted his career, and I don't know if he's going to ever be able to fix his image, to be honest. I agree. Look, I, I agree with you in this sense. It's one thing if a guy has just been ravaged by injuries in his career, and, and certainly Wentz we know has had a share of injuries. If it was just that, you could justify bringing him in because you know he's a great presence in the locker room and he's going to be the backup. So he'll actually have some time to heal. And then perhaps when he's called on, he can do a good job for you. Yeah. The issue yeah. with Carson it, is it's all of the, it's the injury stuff, but it's also the know-it-all uh, splintering a locker room yes. kind of stuff that yes. goes along with him. So that's the or, problem. Or being labeled potentially uncoachable. 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a know-it-all in in a lot of ways. And yeah, look, I don't think it's a coincidence that this is happening right now. I think to some degree he had to be humbled. um, And and I'm sure that this is part of the process of being humbled. Um, I don't know that it's to the extent that it needs to be. And, you know, where is he physically? You know, I mean, is he, we, he was a, a wonder because he was so big and he was athletic and he get out of tackles. And get, but all that stuff has started to play against him too. Like he holds the ball too long because he thinks he can make, you know, magical plays happen rather than just conducting the offense, if you will. So I, I think all mm-hmm. of those things, like, I, do I think if, if there's injuries this year that he could get a shot as a backup for sure. I mean, it depends on the, the severity of the injuries around the league. I don't think teams are knocking down his door right now. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he starts the year on a roster. Let's, let's also be honest. The NFL owners are not above sending definitive messages to certain players. We've known they've been involved in collusions and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if it said, hey, don't touch this dude. He needs to learn a lesson. Now, out of desperation, somebody might bring him in, as you said, during the season. Quarterback gets injured in preseason. A backup gets injured in preseason. Backup doesn't pan out the way a team thinks. Maybe they get desperate. Okay, he provides a veteran presence. But if I bring him in here, my contract is so ironclad tight against him. Dude, if you've been burped the wrong way, you're gone. (laughs) I'm I'm dead serious. You're not not coming in here and disrupting the chemistry and the continuity we're trying to build here. We're looking for people who can be positive examples and role models. We're looking for a veteran presence who can come in here and mentor some young players. Don't teach him your negatives. Whatever positive you've learned along the way, those better stand out first and foremost, or we won't hesitate to let you go, plain and simple. You've had enough chances in your career. You've made enough big money in your career to know what this league is all about. Well, and that's where I'm starting with him. Like, if I'm having a conversation with him, I'm not even – like, I'll get to the injuries. But the first thing is – Hey, tell me why this is the the rep that's going around the league with you. How much truth is there to this? You know, what, how coachable are you? You know, I, I, and I think that's where everything begins with with Carson. If he wants to continue to have a career, you know, that that's, they're the things that he's going to have to answer to and show by his actions that he is willing to be that guy. I don't know right now. I like, would it shock you if he never played again? It wouldn't shock me. No. Now, I agree with what Daz here says in our chat to a certain degree that Carson, he says Carson is better than 99% of the backups in the league. I won't say 90. I'll say he's better than at least 90% of the backups in the league. He might be better than 99%, but at least 90%, which means there's a 10% window. But because of his history and his image, I mean, look at what they did to Colin Kaepernick. Look at what the league did to Colin Kaepernick because he took a stance. And then your commissioner came out years after the fact and said, well, you know, after the George George Floyd incident, well, maybe we should have listened to Colin. Right. Really? So you blacklisted him out of the league, but you should have listened to him later? Now, Carson Wentz, that's a whole different beast. Carson destroyed his own image, but Carson has attributes that could help a team in a backup role. But because of the image and how he's been portrayed the last couple of years, nobody wants to touch him. I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Like, Dan says last 20 – Dan Cilio says last 24 games, um, 5,318 yards, 38 TD, 16 picks. Uh, you know, et cetera. Those numbers on face are not bad for sure. And and certainly better than what some backups who are out there can produce. But tell me why he's been through three teams in three years. And right now he's out of football. If, 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 if it's just about the numbers, which aren't, aren't that terrible. Why is that? 
because, because that tells me it's beyond yes. it's beyond the numbers and 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 what the potential talent is. He divides. He doesn't bring people together. He stand yeah. offish. He butts heads with coaching staffs, offensive coordinators, quarterback coaches. You tell him one thing, he's still going to do his own thing. It doesn't work that way. You got to play along. This is a league where a lot of times you got to play along to get along. There are very few Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, that can write their own ticket, do what they want, say what they want, and there's no repercussions. You know, there's very few of those players in the National Football League. You know, I talk to players all the time. You have to get along. You have to play along to get along in this league. Yep. You know, and you have to build yourself to a certain status to where you can speak out yeah. and say what you want to say and do what you want to do. It doesn't happen often. But Carson Wentz found a way – to basically now, granted, I will give Carson this. After his Super Bowl year, offensive line issues. Think about this: offensive line issues everywhere he's played, including the Eagles. True, That's because true. of injuries, either injuries or they just had an inferior offensive line. I agree. He hasn't had, he hasn't had a decent offensive line to protect him since he played for the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I, look, I I think when things fail this spectacularly for someone it's usually not just one reason. Like some of it, I think more of it is on him, but some of it, you, yeah, you can't control. The, the, the last year with the Eagles was a mess for a lot of reasons for, with Doug, with the offensive line being injured. You know, there were a lot of things going on. Uh, we saw with the Colts that it didn't matter who was playing quarterback. We saw it last year with Matt Ryan. Like Washington, he got tattooed. Washington, you know, but we also, we saw him when he played the Eagles the first time this year. It was the same old crap holds the ball too long, it, it, you know, turnovers, that kind of stuff. I mean, he, would they have six sacks on him, whatever it was? Yeah, they had nine. They had nine, nine, sorry. And that's not just the offensive line. That's the quarterback who doesn't know when to get rid of the ball, too. It's a, it, it, Like I said, it's a combo of things. If your receivers aren't getting open, you just don't want to throw the ball away. Now, granted, he does have a tendency to hold the ball too long, but let's face it, their receivers were not getting over and by the time there were a lot of times when he stepped back and planted his foot in the turf, he'd have to start running for his life because the people up front, the five guys up front, couldn't hold the line of scrimmage for him. Yeah. Yep. And the Eagles just tattooed him. Yeah. And his whole season was like that in Washington. That offensive line was a mess in Washington. You know, no, so no doubt. Yep. Let's see what he could do. And I don't know if it's going to happen behind a decent offensive line that could protect him and give him some time. I don't know if that's going to happen for him. I really don't. You know, yeah. and I don't know. You're right. I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get back in the league this year, Rob. If he doesn't get back in the league this year, if that's a definitive message sent by the league owners to him. Yeah. What you did the last couple of years has cost you severely. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Uh, we will turn our sights to the Phils, uh, and they won two out of three over the weekend. And it was a weekend that had a you know there's a lot more going on than just what was happening on the field. So we'll get into all that kind of stuff. When we come back a little bit later, Derek, we're going to walk through the AFC East uh, and and pick the order of the AFC East and who finishes where. All right, uh, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances uh, critical, critical to say the least. But I can tell you from personal experience that I trust Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help getting your employee benefits off the ground, I mean, that's another resource that Jim can help you with. Um, I personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 
You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. back yes we are sports take jacob sports youtube network that's derek i'm rob if you could please hit the like button we would appreciate that uh coming up derek we will get into what we're going to do is um each each day leading up to uh, well over the about the course of the next eight days because there's eight divisions we're going to break down uh one division per day and today we do the afc east tomorrow we'll do the afc north so we'll work our way through the afc then through the NFC, last division we'll do, obviously, will be the NFC East. But today will be the uh, the AFC East, which, you know, you can make a case as the best in football. Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. So we will get into that. 
Uh, certainly get a little bit more into some of the linebacker moves that the Eagles made. Tons of football news uh, in the in the two o'clock segment as well. Later, we'll get into the U.S. women's soccer team uh, getting eliminated from the World Cup um, and some of the ramifications of that. And you see the brawl this weekend <laughs> between the Cub, uh, the uh, White Sox, and the, oh, and yeah. the uh, Guardians. Oh, 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 man! Oh my goodness! Jose Ramirez just just dropped Tim Anderson. Boom. Yeah. Down goes Frazier. That was a real – you You don't see a lot of real sports fights. It's usually like, hold me back, hold me back, hold me yeah. back. That was a real one. Yeah. You know, there was a stretch, though, not too long ago, years – not too many years ago, when 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 fisticuffs were common in baseball, man. Dudes just started swinging on each other. Yeah. Haven't seen one to that degree in a while, man. That looked like – that looked like a hockey fight. It, it did. It really did. Yeah, that was – that was – uh that was something. So we'll get into that and what, you know, with the suspensions and all that good stuff from there. All right. So the Phillies beat the Royals yesterday, eight to four. They won the last two games of the series. They're 61 and 51. Now that, that 10 games above 500 ties them for the, for the most they've been all season. Uh, the good thing is too, they're starting, even though they're in second place. Um, well, they're, 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 they're tied actually but they're starting to put some distance between themselves and anybody after them. They're three up on the Cubs. Uh, they're three up on the Reds who have lost six in a row. Yep. They are, you know, three and a half up on the Marlins who have lost their last four and seven of 10 diamondbacks have lost their last six. So teams are starting to kind of fade, especially the younger ones um, right now. And boy, we're, we're leading up to what's going to be a really fascinating series between the Phillies and the Giants. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves. It's it's August 21st through the 23rd, but that one's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. Is that, is, is that, um, that, that one's here. That's here because uh, they got beat up pretty good out there when they played the Giants, didn't they? They, they did. Threat. Yeah. So they owe the Giants. If mm-hmm. this team starts hitting the way they hit this past weekend. Oh yeah. That's going to be, I think that's going to be a little bit different series. And let's face it. The Phillies team has a knack for playing bet- the better teams a lot tougher than they do the lesser teams. Yeah. When they lost, they lost their first game to Kansas City on Friday. So here we go again. Here we go again. This team playing down to his competition. Although I will say this, having not seen Kansas City play this year, and it's a young team, those boys can hit in Kansas City. They're gonna, yeah, give them a couple years, and yes, that team's gonna be dangerous. They got some real young talent. If they can get pitching. Yeah. Um, if they can get some pitching to go along with this young nucleus, they're going to be a dangerous team. I, I'm impressed with their hitting arsenal, especially them dudes hitting long balls for them. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they came in here and they hit some long, but they hit some some monster shots off this Phillies pitching, but they yeah. just didn't have enough to sustain it in the pitching department. They're not there yet, but they have sort of the Baltimore Oriole feel in a couple of years where the, it's yeah. homegrown, you yeah. know, smaller market, but they're going to be, they're going to be tough. I agree. And they came in hot. You know, they, they, after the Friday when they had won seven in a row. Yep. So to, to get the last two, you know, are big. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, so Schwarber goes three for four. Schwarber was 0 for 19 and four for his last 52. He hits the home run. He has a couple of other hits. He drives two in. That was big. Castellanos looks like he's getting his, his swing back a little bit. He went yard. Uh, he went yard Friday also. Um, so he has, you know, he has a good game. Turn, I mean, if you look at Harper, Harper ends up having a, a really big game and he got robbed of one at the, at the wall too. At the wall center field. Yep. So the power stroke starting to get there for him. And then of course, Turner, and we all know what went down with Turner. So, you know, having those guys play the way that they were playing 
coupled with the fact that you're still getting contributions from the younger guys, like Stott has a three-run home run yesterday, um, and and the pitchers did what they had to do. I mean, Taiwan Walker's got 13 wins. Yep, he's tied for the most in Major League Baseball. You know, he's when, when he pitches, Derek. They've won 11 of 10 and 14 mm-hmm. of 17 when he's on the mound. What more can you ask? I mean, it, it wasn't his best outing yesterday, but it was yep. efficient. You know, uh, he got the outs when he had to get them. Um, he had great support in the field. Um, you know, he, he only had two strikeouts. He gave up the one home run. He had 95 pitches over seven innings. 95 pitches over seven innings. I'll take that from, yeah. from my starter. Yep. You know, especially with the strength of this bullpen on the back, pin, uh, on the back end. You know, um, if, you, if you're starting pitcher to get you to seven, you're in pretty good shape usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. I did not even know Zach Granke was still in the majors, though, oh. pitching from Kansas City. That dude's one in 12. I know. He, he is one in 12, and he's clearly a shell of what he was. He got, he's got he got no run support this season. Now, he no. got it yesterday, but he's got no run support. But you're right. He's he's cooked. I mean, look, you got to take advantage of that kind of stuff. And it was there in front of him. And Walker gave up three early, and then the Phillies got it right back on the Stott home run. So that was big, the fact that they answered right away. And, boom, yes. you know, it, it was – jumped right back on them um, was big. I, I want to just take it to, to, to next level here when it comes to um, what, what the ovation thing, which we discussed a little bit earlier, but yep. I thought it was really interesting. Bryce Harper was on the WIP post game show with Scott Fransky and mm-hmm. Larry Anderson. And he, Derek, I, I mean, when he went on and on and on about praising the fans, it was it was unbelievable and it was genuine. It wasn't the usual, yeah, yeah, we appreciate the support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real. And he, at one point he said, I only wish I started my career here as opposed to Washington. Like, these guys, there is a real connection, um, particularly with the baseball and football team with this city. I know they're both good. But there's all there's just such a likability with these players on both of these teams that there's a really yeah. special bond here with these, yes. these two, you know, entities. You, you don't have you don't have me guys. You don't have guys who step out of uh, the team protocol. Uh, you got guys who just roll up their sleeves and go out there and give you an effort every day, whether in, whether the end result is what you like or not. At least they went out there. And let's face it, every game can't be perfect. You know, we're all human. We all make errors. And let, let's face it, the only, the Phillies have had their flawed games, no question about it, this season. You know, they went through a stretch when it was like the Keystone Cops out there, you know, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But they've, ironed, they've, they've seen to iron some things out. They still can play a good quality brand of baseball. They are, you know, it's a star-studded team. If you really want to think about it, it's a star-studded team. Yeah. You know, should they have been better? Did we expect them to be a lot better in terms of wins and losses than what they are right now? Yep. But the bottom line is, as we sit here today, there's still 10 games over 500. There's a whole lot of teams in the majors that would trade places with them in a minute, record-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the pieces in the fall. It's not like they had to go out and scramble and get a, a bunch at the trade deadline to try to make the product better. You know, And they didn't. You know, Let's face it, they didn't. They went out and got one pitcher. Um, it, it's just a matter – baseball is such a finicky game. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just a matter of having more – you know, more high tides than low tides. And and that's why I say hopefully this weekend we start to see this team turn a corner because the Phillies hit all three games. Didn't get the results they wanted on Friday, but he sure. hit, hit the ball solidly all three games this weekend. No, you're right. And the good thing is because they're in this stretch and they play tonight again, they don't have an off day, um, 
they, they start four against Washington. <clears throat> what, what's, what was important also yesterday for Walker, he spared the bullpen. Yeah. You didn't have to use Kimbrell. You didn't have to use Sir Anthony. Those guys have been getting killed lately. So the fact that you didn't have to, to roll those guys out and <clears throat> they're going to be fresh and available for you tonight is big. You won despite maybe not a great effort from Walker and not a great effort from Sanchez Saturday night. You were able to still win those games. Yep. Are you still worried about Nola? For sure. Yeah, 100% you are. I, I mean, Derek, I, I was at the game, and I'm watching him the first couple of innings. He was laboring. Like the other, Here's the other thing you notice, especially when you're there, when you're as opposed to TV. And TV does a good job with this too. But when you're there, you can see more. He still hasn't adapted to that pitch clock, man. He's still mm. using that tactic of getting a new ball. Like he get he calls for more new balls than any pitcher I've ever seen, and it's a it's a stall tactic. And you remember he got called on the carpet for it the one the one game. Yeah. And they're going to do more of that, but I'm telling you, he hasn't adjusted to the pitch clock. He has not. I think it's a mind game with him. I think it's a lot like Trey Turner, and, and yeah. Turner seems to have come out of it, at least temporarily. I think I think the way it has gone for him all season long. And I believe every time he steps to the hill, he's got to say to himself, this is the game I turned around. And it really hasn't happened for the most part. Yeah. You look at the volume of, of, of hard hit balls he's given up. That's not the Aaron Nola we're used to seeing. No. The volume of home runs he's given up, the most home runs in his career mm-hmm. uh, in a season. That's not the Aaron Nola. I think it's become a mind game. I think every time now that he gives up a home run, especially early in the game, all of a sudden his mental psyche is shattered. You know, I agree with you. And, and I think he's trying to fine-tune his pitches too much to the point where they're just, they're just spinning across the plate. He doesn't have to snap on his breaking pitches consistently the way he's had in the past. And then once it starts to unravel just a little bit for him, all of a sudden he, he, his psyche is fractured. You know what I wonder? Like This is what makes me wonder, and you're, you're right in what's happening. Is he just not the same pitcher? Is it the pitch clock? Is it – free agency weighing in his head. I don't know that the, the reason it's hard to tell is he's such a laid back guy. He he is such like, you remind you of Bryson Stott in that sense that it just seems like nothing's bothering this dude, but just because that's what you're showing exterior doesn't mean mm-hmm. that's what's going on interior. We know that with, with human beings, it's just the way it is. People put on a happy face, even if they're sad, you know, people put on a sad face. I, I, you know what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. I can't figure yeah. him out because he, like we talked about, he can look, really good and be rolling and then he, he smashes into a wall and there's no yeah. return i don't think you can use the pitch clock as an excuse anymore at this stage of a season we're in august every pitcher who's been in the majors at least for most of this season has had to adjust to the pitch clock and if the pitch clock is still in his head then i've got to sit down and have, have a conversation with a baseball psychologist then if that's still affecting him more than anything else if he's if speeding up his his de, his delivery between pitches is still affecting him, then the pitching coach still needs to sit. Down. John Dickerson, I blame D Gun. Everybody <laughs> blames D Gun. That's fine with me. It's, I got broad me. shoulders. I can handle that. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, you know what? If Aaron wants to blame me, if the fan base wants to blame me, that's fine with me. Yeah. You know, I'm not out there getting seven figure income though. You can blame me all you want. That's not what I heard. The worst uh, thing that yeah, okay, I said I didn't say seven cents. I said seven <laughs> figures. So, you know, um, the worst thing that could have happened to Aaron Nola was going into this season. It was quite obvious the the contract situation was hovering out there, and the Phillies didn't address it then. 
Philly took a wait and see approach. Yep. The two couldn't have happened at a worse time for him. No. Because there's still speculation even today. Is the contract affecting Aaron Noah? Yep. So he's got that. And whether it is or not, it's still hovering over his head. And it's going yeah. to hover because other people who are possibly looking at Aaron Noah beyond this season are saying, uh, I don't know if this is the guy um, that we want to really hone in on for a big money contract. Yeah, I, I look, I, I think you, the, the thing with Nola is he eats a lot of innings. We know that it's, you know, he doesn't walk a lot of people, you know, all those kind of things are on the positive side of the ledger, but there's no denying. I mean, the ERA just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing this year. And his, you know, propensity to give up a long ball is frightening. I mean, it can just change a game. You know, in, in one swing. Um, all right, let's let's get a timeout. We'll talk some NFL when we come back. Um, we'll dig into a bunch of different things, including the NFC, the AFC East, and uh, a report regarding one of the uh, Texans owners, which we'll get into. But a ton mm. of other stuff, including uh, I'll give you some numbers on how the Thursday night uh, Hall of Fame game did, Derek, which just continues to show you why football is king. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about proaction restoration. Yeah, if you have a home, you have a business, you have a property you own, and you're either hit with water damage, fire, smoke, mold, any of the above to your property, and you're not really sure what to do, well, proaction restoration is the place that you call. In fact, they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist you. I know personally I've gone through it with my parents at their house and we called them up on a Saturday and pro action restoration got right over there. They cleaned the place up. The crew was professional. The price was right. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, they are licensed bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro action restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, could be water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it. They can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610 610- Six two three three seven six zero. You can reach out online as well. Proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know it was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. Go to the right, go to the fake mama. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Welcome back, Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn Sports Take, Make a Sports YouTube Network Appreciate you hanging out with us Alright, Derek, let's turn our sights to the NFL um, Tex- <laughs> Texans minority owner Javier Loya Faces rape charges in Kentucky um, He's a successful Houston businessman, minority owner of the Texans since 02, faces multiple criminal charges in Kentucky. According to Pro Football Talk, they have learned that Loya faces one count of first-degree rape, five counts of first-degree sexual abuse, one count of third-degree sexual abuse. Oh, goodness. This is based on public records posted online. The case is set for pretrial conference on August 22nd. Uh, so according to um, – the the I guess he he's a co-founder of and CEO of OTC Global Holdings, um, and the Texans put a statement out and said, "quote We are aware of the serious charges filed in the Commonwealth of Kentucky against Javier Loya, uh, one of our outside limited partners. We have agreed with Mr. Loya that while these charges are pending, he will remove himself entirely from any team or league activities." All right, so that's kind of where things are right now with him. Yeah, it's uh. Serious stuff there, man. Very serious. Well, um, in a situation like that, it's imperative that he steps out of the limelight um, and is not a distraction to this organization. Um, can't wait to see where this with this goes. I mean, that's, you know, sometimes they hate to say it, you know, people get too much power and they think they can do anything, get away with anything. And I'm not saying that he, until it all comes out, we don't know what's what. We've exactly. seen too many stories. You know, uh, you look at the matter arises uh, story. You know, with Buffalo. I agree. I agree. And and oh, no. we're, we're going to talk about Josh Sills, who's another example. He's an Eagles offensive lineman 
who uh, was just acquitted on Friday in Ohio of rape and kidnapping charges and yes. in fact has been reinstated to the league and, and is back on the Eagles roster. So yeah, I, I, that it's incredibly serious, but this is something that you have to let play out before you make any kind of judgments. Yes, exactly. And hopefully the resolution comes quicker than rather than later. Sometimes these things can be drawn out for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Texans organization has had enough, uh, black eye situations with the Deshaun Watson situation. And then the story comes out about the team paid off um, X amount of women uh, who supposedly were at a hotel in Houston with Deshaun, things of that nature. There's only so much you can cover up in terms of trying to buy people off. Right. You know, um, we, we know rape, rape is serious allegations, and especially in America, you know. Um, I, I, and so I, I will, I will withhold further opinions until more information comes out and is made available in a story like this, because again, this is just on the surface and we've right. seen things that blow up and put people in, in, in negative limelight and cost them. And then all of a sudden it's reversed, you know, Good point. Uh, Good just, point. we just mentioned two prime examples. So that's he, a tough one. he was investigated previously again, unrelated to this back in 08, he was investigated for gambling. A situation arose. He was accused in a lawsuit of being involved in high stakes gambling with employees and clients of his energy company. So I'm I'm just giving you there's been some, you know, he's been on the radar before for things. So, um, again, unrelated to this, but uh, that's throw that out there. Um, Beyond that, you know, we're seeing this trend here, Derek. Um, Doug Peterson plans to play Trevor Lawrence in Saturday's preseason opener. Frank Reich is going to start. Bryce Young in the in the Panthers preseason opener. CJ Stroud is going to start for the Texans on in their preseason opener. Now I, the Eagles take a different approach, but that that is not the approach even in this day and age that everybody takes. They they like to get their guys reps in game action. Well, in recent years, we've seen more and more teams pull their regulars from preseason games. In the case of Stroud and, and Bryce Young, they have to get reps. Yeah. You know, you can only do so much in practice, even if you're, you're practicing against another team. You need to get out there at full game speed. These are the future of your franchise, and these are the guys that are going to be counted on to start your season. You want to do everything possible. You can help help them make a smoother transition. They're going to go through growing pains no matter what because they're going to be looking at so many different fronts, teams trying to confuse them, and they're going to make their share of mistakes, and they're going to have some wild plays as well. But those players have to play. A little surprised. And Doug playing Trevor Lawrence though. I am too. Like I get, I kind of get the rookies. Like you want to just get them as many, just see something different as possible, but that's a risk, man. Yeah. I don't know why you're putting Trevor Lawrence out there in the preseason game or your starters. If you're playing Trevor Lawrence, that means you're playing all your starters. Also, usually in years past when everybody was still playing their, their starters, the starters, if, if anything might get a series, the first game, might get a quarter to second game, and then the third game they either get a half or three quarters. They've gone away from that long time ago. Yeah, you know, I, and the fact that you're playing your starter, your franchise player in a preseason game against an opponent who's probably not playing front line players, but guys hungry to make a name for themselves, that's a big risk. It's you know, I remember Belichick. Brady wanted to play too. Belichick wasn't forcing him to do it, but yeah. Brady would play preseason games. He would get some reps. Yeah. So everybody's got a different approach here, but um, 
man, your your whole season changes if one of these guys goes down, especially yeah. a veteran. So you're right. I mean, that if you're starting those guys, just take the Jags, for example. Your entire offensive line, your starting offensive line has to be in there. I would guess. Yes. You know, and we're we may be only be talking a series, but ETN has got to be in there, right? Calvin yep. Ridley's got to be in there. You know, you would think you're not putting Lawrence out there with, with nobodies. You you want to see all of the, the first team offense, you know, get into some kind of flow. It also may be I don't know. The reason behind it may be the fact that he doesn't like what he's seeing so far. That, that you know, that Doug's not loving what, what's going on in the early. Still a risk. I mean, if, if this was Doug's first year, yeah, I could possibly see him playing Lawrence. But you look at the measure. Now they struggled early on, but look at how they came on like gangbusters and played a good competitive game in the playoffs before they bowed out. Yeah, you know, if this was was the first year, I could see him trying to get players on a page of understanding what is expected of them, both offensively and defensively. But he's got a good nucleus of players coming back, and he's got a bunch of young players they need to make evaluations on. I don't need to see my frontline players. We know who the primetime players are for Jacksonville. Yeah. You know who your starters are. I'm not putting I'm not putting them out there, especially with the volume of injuries, fluke injuries players are having nowadays. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting them out there. Well, the, the other thing is um, I don't know about Indy yet. We haven't, we haven't seen anything. But if Stroud is starting the first game, if Bryce Young is starting the first game, I'm going to guess probably Richardson will too. They're throwing all the rookies out there. You know, it's they're good. they're not going with the learn behind the veteran thing uh, that the teams have employed before. They're they're well, they're just they're going. The, you look at all three teams; they need to change the complexion of what they want to be and who they want to be, and it starts with the quarterback. And if you're going into a season starting a rookie quarterback in a National Football League, you want to get them as much game reps as you can. Now, is that a big big risk? Yes, but these guys have got to get that timing down. You know, your audible calls, um, your, your, your fake, your fake uh, uh, calls at the line of scrimmage. You know, when you're trying to get a team to jump yeah, off. Dummy, dummy calls. Oh, yeah. sorry, all the dummy calls. Right. You know, when you look up and down the line of scrimmage and you make eye contact, you don't have to say anything with the receiver. They know where you're going to be with the ball and you know where they're going to be and where they're going to turn, whether they're going to turn inside or outside on certain routes. You know, you need to get that timing down. I understand that. There's no need to do that with Jacksonville. You know, those guys are on the same page. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're bringing in a bunch of wholesale new players, you know, for your quarterback. You know, Houston has had look how look how bad how long Houston has been bad. Yeah. You know, um now you you got a new head coach. You know, you got to get you got to get your your game timing down with the, even if he's even if he's not the defensive coordinator. You know D'Amico Ryan has a definitive say in the defense. You know, and you want you want to make sure they understand where they're supposed to be. Carolina, they spent a lot of money, which is unusual. They spent a lot of money bringing in other personnel to play with a rookie. But they obviously feel they can win now in a very suspect division, even with a rookie quarterback. Indianapolis, look at what their record was last year. They had a quarterback mess last year. And if you're giving it over to Anthony Richardson, especially 255-pound Anthony Richardson, you got to get him out there. Yeah. You got to play him. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's going to be fun. I, I look, I love seeing it. I I love to see the young kids get their get their opportunity. And there is the risk of them sort of getting the happy feet thing and getting beat up and making the mistakes, and they and they don't respond from it. But I'm a I'm a believer in for the most part. Like if you're that guy, you can learn from those mistakes and get better. I mean, look at the, the rookie season guys like Peyton Manning had, where they were terrible, 
and then you know it, it, they they got going here. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what ends up happening with with all of those guys. But yeah, Doug taking a little bit of a risk, that's for sure. I mean, he'll get killed for it if he goes down. I can tell you that he will he will get crushed. Uh, Devin White, Devin White's in a good place here, Derek. Um, yeah. He was unhappy with things. Uh, he wanted out, in fact, but the Buccaneers picked up his fifth year option on his rookie contract and he spoke to reporters uh, today for the first time since the trade request. And he said, quote, going forward, we came to a good agreement. Uh, I want to be a long-term guy. That's why I got a little selfish at the end of the day. I'm still here. I'm locked in. He started all 68 games since he's been a buck. They drafted him fifth overall in 19. He's in the, you know, heading into the, you got what one more year left on the last year mm-hmm. of that deal. Um, but the coming months will, will, will show whether or not the uh, the Bucks are going to give a, diff- a new deal or not. I, I would think this is a guy that you don't want to walk out that door as young as he is and as consistent as he is. Well, it tells me whatever meeting they had, they came to a meeting of the minds that we will take care of you. Keep doing what you're doing. We will work this thing out. Give yeah. us time to work it out. And so that's why I said I think he came out. The timing had to be strategic. He didn't talk until he made the trade uh, demand. All of a sudden he comes out on a Monday. Monday. So it tells me he came out of the meeting or his representation came out of the meeting feeling pretty good about where the two sides stand and they're going to get this thing done. Whether it's this year or after this season, they're going to get it done. If he's basically told them, look, I want to be a long-term Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, and if they feel that he's a cornerstone of that defense, then it's only a natural progression to get take care of it. The way money's flowing across the NFL nowadays, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a problem in terms of what he's going to get paid. Now, maybe even maybe even if Bucks told him, look, you have been the rock of steadiness for this defense ever since you came into this league. Mm-hmm. We just want to see one more year. Now, we picked up your fifth-year option, which is for a big chunk of change. But we feel if, if we get halfway through the season and you're still that player, guess what we're going to do? We're going to tack on that extension for you. We'll give you money up front now, tack on an extension. That's all they want to hear. Yeah, You're not going to get guaranteed contracts, but you can get guaranteed money. You know, and if it's, if the front if, if front loading that contract is what he wants to appease him, then the Buccaneers identifying him as one of the cornerstones of the future of this organization, it's on them now to take care of this. And obviously, he feels good about them holding them to their word or whatever they told him. He feels pretty good about that organization giving him their word. Yeah, and look, if if we move forward here and there isn't any movement on that front, then I think it's going to get nasty with the two parties. But right now he is satisfied with where yeah. things are, and that's yeah. really all that matters. Because let's face it, they're going to need that defense to carry them, <clears throat> at least early, Gunner, because you don't know what kind of quarterback play you're going to get. You don't know how you know what Baker Mayfield's going to look like and or whomever else they throw in there as, as one of the bat trask or you know whatever that turns out to be. Sure. You're going to need that defense. Sure you do. If you watch Baker Mayfield, you already know what you're going to get. You're going to get one game where he looks like a pro bowler and the next game looks like he's trying to figure out how to put on his uniform. I mean, seriously, that's, that has been his career in Cleveland. And when he was uh, the, the, the small showing, I remember going back to last season, he comes off the bench uh, for the Rams. It was and without, remember he got cut Monday and played Thursday or whatever. Yeah. It was crazy. And he comes in and plays on a Thursday and brings them back and throws a winning touchdown pass in the final seconds of the game. Yeah. That's been his problem. You don't see that consistent Baker Mayfield. You see those moments where he's talked about the next day all across the country. But did you see what he did in this game? Did you see how he was able to buy time, make these throws? And then the next week, did you see how many picks he threw compared to how many interceptions he threw? Yeah. That's that's been his whole career. Yep. Yeah. And he's got the weapons. He's got the weapons down there. You know, 
to make him look really good in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans is accidentally going to have another 1,000-yard season. Yeah, he does that in his sleep. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, beyond that, uh, Derek, let's dig into our NFL question, and then let's look at the AL, uh, AFC East. So the AFC East is the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Patriots, all right? So last year, the Bills were were the team, you know, that, that obviously finished on top. And, you know, we know that this is a critical season for them. But uh, they were a team that took care of business last year. They had an excellent season. They did have a lot of stuff that went on. DeMar Hamlin, I'm sure, had to be tough. They finished the season winning seven straight. They got into the playoffs. So did the Dolphins at uh, at nine and eight. Um, but we know their their season was just kind of – you know, marked with Tua getting injured and you weren't sure exactly what was going to happen there with him. And we still don't know what this year is going to look like. Uh, New England goes out and gets Bill O'Brien made a couple other additions. Haven't done a ton personnel wise that, that is going to like blow you away. And then the jets of course had a really loud off season with Aaron Rodgers and some of the other stuff that they did. Okay. So you had a bills team at 13 and three dolphins, nine and eight, New England, eight and nine, the jets, seven and 10. Um, let, give, give me, just give me your overall scope and then we'll kind of dig into how we think these, these teams are going to finish. You know what, um, as loaded as this division is, it, it's so many question marks pertaining to this division and it kind of clouds your thought. You know, you look at Buffalo, how much, if any, will they drop off from a team that won 13 games last season? They have all the weapons you want. They have Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis on offense. You know, they've got two good tight ends in Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, mm-hmm. who they, dra- they drafted Kincaid. You got defensive, you got excellent defensive Ed Oliver, Von Miller. You have arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. If you can keep all those components healthy, if you can keep them healthy, they're going to be right up there again. You look at Miami, the big question mark can Stu- can Tua to stay off the IR list? That's the that that's the biggest question of the entire division, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I love their personnel. Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Agua, you know, Xavier Howard's one of the best corners in the game. You know, they have everything you want. You know, Cedric Wilson doesn't get enough love. Um, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson. Yeah. You know, one of the best trios in football in wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you look at the Jets team. To me. As much as the Jets have been talked about since it was finalized and Aaron Rodgers is heading to the Jets, on paper, it's like it's under the heading of this is too good to be true. You have an outstanding defense, a top five defense. You've added more weapons offensively for, for your 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 franchise quarterback to throw to. Mm-hmm. It just looks too good on paper. The the Jets the Jets defense carried that team and the offense let them down. Now Joe Douglas has gone out and got firepower to have the offense uphold their end. Can it all come together? And how quickly can it come together? I just heard Aaron Rodgers basically loosely compare uh, Garrett Wilson to Devontae Adams. He said, I'm not putting him in that category yet because Devontae is the best in terms of route running. But you see a lot of uh, Devontae Adams and Garrett, okay? Um, Now he's got to do it. You know, the kid was the offensive rookie of the year. Can he do it with a new quarterback, a legit quarterback now this time? Mm-hmm. All right. You look at you look at a team like New England. New England has great personnel, but the big question mark is the quarterback. Can Bill O'Brien do for Mac Jones what Brian Dable did for Daniel Jones? Yeah. 
Great, great comp. It's great. It's huge. They got a good running back in that Ramondre uh, Stevenson. Yeah. Montgomery is not a bad backup at running back. You know, the wide receivers are okay. Yeah, I don't I don't love his weapons in general. Uh, I love Devontae Parker when he was in Miami. All of a sudden, he's an afterthought in New England. He can't yeah. get on the ball. Now you have Juju there. You have two great tight ends in Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's it going to – Matthew Judon is one of the best linebackers in the game. Yeah. But what's it going to look like? There's so many big question marks. But if you ask me to stack them, I'm still picking the Bills until further notice to win the division. It's not going to be a runaway like it was um, a season ago. But I think the Bills still have enough to win that division. Miami and the Jets are closing in on them. Yeah. I don't know how quickly the Jets are going to come together. So my number two team in that division, just by a blink of an eye, has to be Miami right now. Yep. yep. All right, and the well, Jets, third. Jets third and then New England fourth. Yeah, so I, I have a little flip there. I have the Bills like you do. But I want Jets too, and here's why. I, I don't. It, it's it's more of a reflection, and I, I this is not me wishing this, but I I don't I don't think Tua holds up, Derek. I just don't. And if that's the case, I, they did an okay job with their backups. Mike White's solid, but I think that vaults the Jets ahead of them if if, if Tua goes down, and it and it looks like it did last year. So I'm going to go Jets. It's a bit of a uh, stretch, I think, because there's a lot of new parts there, but. It seems that Rodgers has really fit in there like like a glove. Um, yes. You know, to the point where if I'm if I'm Green Bay, I'm kind of like, where was this when you were here? You know, willing to be like this mentor guy. But anyway, he's helped them there. He's got weapons. He has a good defense. And I, I think there's a des- – desperation is probably the wrong word. But I think there's a real sense of urgency with this Jets team because of all the moves that they made, because they've taken some criticism, Sean Payton – has, has leveled some criticism his way. You know, Rodgers is going to be on a mission this year. Although I think Miami's probably more talented. If Tua stays healthy, it's Miami number two, firmly. But I don't think he stays healthy. So I go I go, Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. I think New England's very similar to what they were last year. They're like an 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and, yep. and it's yep. not enough to get in. I agree. And, and, and it all comes down to when you look at the other three quarterbacks in a division compared to, you know, Mac Jones, I think they're better degree, uh, pedigree of quarterbacks. You know, um, you you know, Josh Allen and, and Aaron Rodgers are probably going to be there from start to finish. Uh, Tua, the concussion concussion scenario, it weighs heavily into how how long he's in there. Mm-hmm. And Mac Jones, we don't know. We we assume we assume that Bill O'Brien can 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 turn him around, but what to to what degree? You know, New England has a stout defense, no question about that. The offense needs to hold up its end of the deal. Had didn't do that last year, and understandably so. You know, Buffalo took a big hit looking losing Dayball. Um, and, and you could tell in the play of Josh Allen, he wasn't just wasn't the same Josh Allen. Now it's year two for Josh Allen without Daybo, and he's identified what he needs to work on. All right, let's see him get back to that upper echelon level that he was in 2021. The more consistent Josh Allen. My biggest concern about Josh Allen is when he takes off the run, this dude doesn't want to slide. He goes head first. He's, he's making contact. You don't want your contact lowering the shoulder and taking on somebody head on. He's got to do a better job in terms of sliding. Tua, I would like to see Tua roll out of the pocket more. With the weapons that he has, yeah. I think they keep Tua in the pocket too much. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's his biggest problem. That's where he gets into trouble physically is by staying in the pocket. I want to see him move, them move him 
around the way New, uh, New Orleans did with Drew Brees. And the way from what limited footage I've seen, you see Bryce Young taking deeper drops and yeah. moving outside of the pocket a lot to get a better view of, of what he's seeing down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think Miami needs to do that with a smaller quarterback as well. You know, you could tell that they've built Tua to be this pocket passer, and he's done a great job when he's in there. He can, th- you know, for a guy who's not that big, he can throw it a country mile. He's oh, got sure. a great arm. Yeah. You know, it's just that I think Miami has misutilized him in terms of if you want to keep him upright and breathing, you got to roll him out of that pocket more. You have to. Well, I, I, I'm really interested and fascinated with Josh Allen because he has said all the right things this offseason about turnovers, red zone turnovers. I, I haven't heard him. He, he may have spoken about, it, but I didn't hear him you know, talk about being smarter running the ball. But he's at the age now where he's taking enough shots, and I don't care how big he is. Eventually, this stuff, that, that will take you down. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder how much he's learned from last year. I do. I wonder how much he's learned from – you know, the mistakes that he made, there's, there's gotta be such a high sense of urgency to take care of that football. He takes care of the football. I mean, but they were still third, whatever they were third. What were they? 13 and three. They played one less game, right? So yeah. them in Cincinnati. So they were 13 and three. If, if he takes care of that ball, man, it could be a different story. You know, it could be yeah. a different story in the playoffs and that stuff carried over. So yeah, I, I am Buffalo's at a, at an impasse. Um, the jets are on the climb, but the thing is, it's not like the Jets have this giant window. You got a quarterback who's pushing forty. You know, even though he wants to be there for multiple years, so you got to take advantage of it pretty quickly if you're if you're the Jets. And then, then there's the Dolphins, and it's just tons of talent. To their credit, they went out and they they made it work with the cap. They brought in a lot of weapons, but but can the quarterback stay healthy? Jets Jets have a quarterback who's pushing forty, but still has one of the strongest and most accurate arms in the game. Yep. His biggest frustration is Green Bay never went out of its way to give him the players that he needed to be better. If yeah. anything, they shied away from a better caliber of player and started implementing these young, untested players. And if I'm a veteran quarterback who's been there eight years to me, eight, 18 years, to me, that's a blatant dis- dis- disrespect in Green Bay that you can put me on the field with this, you know, to throw to. What do you expect me to do with this? You know, the Jets say, hey, we welcome you with open arms. I think there's that sense of urgency with Aaron. He wants that one more moment in the sun to try to hoist that trophy. Now, unfortunately from him, for him, he's an extreme in an extremely tough division and by far a tougher conference to get to where he go, wants to go to than if he was in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, you've got seven, eight legitimate teams that could end up in the Super Bowl in the AFC if things fell into place. You know, and, and it's funny how Sean Payton who's a coach who's not even a player could completely turn that, that Denver team around just by his presence. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the talent, although I didn't even notice they, they cut KJ Hamler because of that heart condition he had, um, giving him time off to get that thing right. They, they lost him. him. That's what I saw that he was, they, they basically cut him, you know, a few weeks oh, ago man. once that came out. Um, and you lost the other receiver because of an Achilles, a ruptured Achilles, uh, Patrick, I believe it was. But you have everything else to win. You can still be very good, you know. But it all starts with Kansas City. And Absolutely, that and that's the division of conference. It's all about KC and Mahomes, man, and, and Cincinnati. I mean, to be honest, it's all about KC and Cincinnati. Yeah. Those are the two teams you have to beat in the playoff to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Cincinnati, we'll talk about one of their players who got paid, not named Joe Burrow, 
uh, when we come back in addition to everything else that we're doing NFL-wise. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. They are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They're experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Come back in, everybody. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. So the Eagles um, have made a little move here. Remember Matt Leo, uh, who, yep. who who was just recent, who was cut in, in the what off season, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he was hired as a defensive and football operations assistant. So he is now on the coaching staff, Matt Leo. So I think he, I think he officially retired. Yeah. Okay. Um, is that what it was? Yeah. And, but still wants to be a part of football in some capacity. And, you know, here's again, the Eagles, they like to take care of their own and, you know, they're giving him a chance. Maybe they see something in him that, uh, that has coaching quality and they're willing to give him an entry level shot at making that transition, which could benefit them down the road as they continue to lose coaches and, and make decisions, coaching decisions along the way. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. The Texans will be without one of their key offensive players uh, for a while here. Right tackle Titus Howard mm. uh, has a broken hand. They don't know how long um, or if he'll be able to be available at any point here um, in the preseason. But uh, yeah, so he's got a broken hand. He just signed a three year extension worth fifty six million. Uh, he was a first round pick in 19. He started all 54 games his first four years in the league. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a loss. If he's out any extended period of time, that's a little, little troubling with a, with a rookie quarterback. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but these things happen, man. You just hold your breath every day. Um, unfortunately, you know, and Houston's trying to rebuild an identity an identity that's been trashed over the last several years. Uh, the embarrassment of firing two consecutive coaches after one year, the Deshaun Watson scenario, they, uh, Houston is basically trying to focus on playing football and they continue to have setbacks. They, that organization, man, I tell you, man, you talk about a team that has a dark cloud hovering over it from front office gaffes, you know, like the one you just talked about the last segment um, to the Deshaun Watson fiasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this, you know, uh, man, you know, yeah, I know they just want to focus on playing football, but, you know, injuries, I mean, it's a fluke. You know, you don't expect to break a, a, a bone in the hand or foot. It just happens. It's a game. It's a beast. It is. It is just, it's random. A lot of randomness for sure. Uh, I know you know this, Rashawn Gary, who, who is coming off ACL surgery. He actually blew out his ACL in week nine yep. last year. Uh, is is off the pup list and uh, he's ready to roll. He, he's set to take part in his first practice uh, of training camp. He'll be doing individual work. He'll take part in walkthroughs, but full return to practice will come in a little bit, but he is getting very close which is a good sign because, like I said, it was week nine. So he's he's doing well with his recovery. He's a big piece of their, what they do here, for sure. Well, he was their leading sacker until he got hurt. You know, he was their best, you know, pass rusher. Um, and, and it showed because that defense was never the same. And with all the talent they had on that defense, they had seven former first-round picks starting on that defense. And some fell by the way away, the wayside of uh, injuries but came back. He never came back. And it really showed in their pass rush. This is a huge year for Green Bay in terms of that defense and the de- and defensive coordinator living up to expectation. You know, everybody thought Green Bay's defense would carry that team, and Green Bay's defense let them down more so than the offense did in a lot of ways last year. So hopefully he stays healthy for, for what they're trying to accomplish with a new quarterback under center. Yeah, they need him. They need him, that's for sure. All right, we know that Sam Howell has been named the starter with Washington, but uh, Ron Rivera has made it a point to get him some reps with the first team uh, team offense in case he needs to play. Now you can read into in case he needs to play a lot of different ways, injuries, if you know potentially Hal's not playing great, whatever the case may be. But that's a little unusual uh, that you would do that. Usually, and Derek, you know how this works at practice. Your ones get the large bulk, uh, at least yeah. as we get closer. Yeah. You know, not this. It's a little different now in camp, but they're working Brissett in. Uh, a little bit with the ones here just to have him, you know, ready to roll. 
Um, the fact that they made the commitment already to Sam Howell as a starter is a little shocking to me. I wouldn't have told anybody anything. And to be quite honest with you, with a new offensive coordinator, I would give Brissett more than just a few reps with the ones. Yeah. You know, because I would not I would not have announced who my starting quarterback is until the week of the first game, to be honest. Nobody needs to know that, you know. And with the way teams control practices now, you could hide a lot of things from the media. You know, you know, you get that limited window when you get to see certain things. And some practices now, under this collective bargaining agreement, they can shut you out even more so now from practices. Thanks to the collective bargaining agreement and COVID, the NFL teams have now found a new ways to show in, to show the media even less than in what they want to see. I would no way in shape or form have named my starting quarterback right now. There's no way. Yeah, like I believe me, I understand where you're coming from. Why, why tip your hand, you know, and, and that kind of thing. I, I get it. Is it more of a confidence thing? Like, hey, so we're not asked about this all the time to, to show Sam that we believe in him. Is it you think it's that? you know, why you do it that soon? I don't know, to be honest with you, because I, I can't imagine that a young quarterback has shown me enough this early for you to already confirm that he's your starting quarterback. Is Brissett that bad in Eric Bieniemy's offense? We've seen, we've seen Brissett have success other places he's been, you know. Has he been consistent? No. But he's won some games. Mm-hmm. He's shown that he can handle pressure. I don't think you've given him enough time to prove to what, what – to prove what he can or cannot do in your offense. How has Sam Howell shown you everything you need to know that he's the right guy for this offense, especially for a head coach who's, if you start stacking up coaches on a hot seat for 2023, I don't think there's any seat hotter than Ron Rivera's, you know, say what you want to say. Since he's been there, the quarterback situation has been a mess. Mm-hmm. You look at the carousel of quarterbacks he's had to go through since he's been there, you know, um, and Sam Howell coming from out of nowhere, all of a sudden named your starter now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if he doesn't play well, and it, it's going to cost Ron Rivera's job. That much is for sure. Uh, there's, there is no doubt about that. All right. So Zach Martin is apparently dug in, Derek. Uh, he's not worried about fines. Reports have it that he will not start the regular season. That's when it gets Ooh. real with the fines. That's when Ooh. this goes into a different level because right now teams can find you or find you, excuse me. They don't have to find you during the preseason. But once the, the regular season starts, you get it no matter what. That's a lead. I, I thought I read somewhere where he's being fined 50, what is it, 50,000 a day? Yeah, that's what they can find him up to. Yes, correct. Okay, so they can, they can rescind it all if he decides to come back or whatever. Yeah. They, they can do that. You're going to give a 50,000 a day plus a game check and you're only I'm, making 7 million? I'm not. Not me. You know what I mean? I'm ticked off. I'm. I don't. I. I. I, I if anything, trade me after the season. Yeah. <laughs> or trade me now. But I'm not giving up that kind of money. Yeah. I'm not recouping that money down the road. The, the thought behind it is he watched them cave with Ezekiel Elliott. You remember Zeke was holding yep. out and they caved. Uh, there was somebody else that w- was was cited as well as another precedent here, and you know he's. Uh, I can't help but draw the the parallel that he sees all these other Cowboys, Amani Hooker, you know, guys who aren't at his at his stage and certainly importance to the team, getting paid, and it's probably pissing them off. Frankly, I mean, it's probably just making it worse. I, I don't blame him one bit. Um, but if the Cowboys if the Cowboys are not going to buckle, then they feel they have somebody they can plug in. Obviously, number one, number two, 
um, it's costing Zach more than it's costing the Cowboys in terms of money. You know, seven million. If he was making seventeen million, that's a little different. You're making seven million after taxes, after agent fees. You're lucky if you get half of that, and you're going to give up fifty thousand a day for for fines and game checks. Ah, uh, no, not me. No, thank you. I understand. I, I'm ticked off. If I had to play under that contract compared to what other people are getting, I'm ticked off, especially if I'm identified as a perennial pro, pro bowler, one of the best right guards in the game, then I should be paid accordingly. I'm going to voice my opinion, but I'm going to move on also. I'm not getting, I'm not giving up money for nobody. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I look, that stuff adds up, man, but he must know something. I, I can't imagine that he and his agent are just kind of doing this thing blindly, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening here. Um, Logan Wilson got paid uh, linebacker for the Bengals. Good player. Four years, 37.25 million. Uh, you know, had 123 tackles last year. He, like I said, he's a, he is a really good linebacker for this team. So he ends up getting, uh, getting paid. What a prime, what a prime time to be playing in the national football league. The money they're giving out nowadays at different positions, except the running back. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, you're right. He is a quality linebacker in the game. Um, and if they gave it to him, obviously he deserves it, man. If I'm Zach Martin, I'm not just ticked off at the Cowboys. I'm ticked off because every time I, I get up, somebody else is getting paid except me. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. We Think about the money that's been doled out since June to different players. No, let's go back even further. Start with the quarterbacks and look at how they've all leapfrogged over each other this offseason in payments. And then you look at the offensive linemen, the edge rushers who are getting paid. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I'm one of the best in my position and I'm being overlooked? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, hey, I'm as ticked off as a hornet's nest. But again, when business sense, when you when you settle down and you allow business sense to kick in, monetarily, as much as I'm ticked off and as much as I've voiced my displeasure, whether I have said it first and foremost or indirectly through an agent or, or one of my close uh, peers, I'm getting back out there and I'm playing. You know, I understand the risk of possibly getting hurt, but I'm going back out there playing. I'm not giving money away. No way. No way, shape, or form. Um, Panther signed Justin Houston to yep. a one-year deal. He's 34 years old. Still productive, Derek. He got $7 million, but he had nine and a half sacks last year um, for yep. Baltimore. I, that's a good move. Yeah, that's good nice move, move for in terms of veteran presence. Uh, a guy who, you know, defies the, well, once you hit 33, 34, it's all downhill. He showed that it wasn't. You're looking at a, a Carolina defense that spent some money this offseason on defensive personnel. I think he's going to be a tremendous asset, both as a player and a mentor uh, to that defense, and hopefully can help that defense um, hold it down until the offense gets up to speed with young Bryce Young back there. Yeah, uh, it's a good move there. Good move by them. <laughs> Micah Parsons, he, he is never uh, shy. So he, he, I think the it was brought up to him about the Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame was this past weekend, and we'll get into that in a second. But he said Hall of Fame. I, I don't, I don't just want to get to the Hall of Fame. I want to be considered among the greatest who have ever played. Forget just the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There's a part of me that loves that yeah. this dude is a. He'll say it. B. That's what he's striving for. But there's another part that's like, oh man, oof. Okay. You better, you better really go out there every game and every year and crush. Well, if you say it, you believe it, 
but believing it and executing it, as we know, are vastly different. And you're right. You put it out there. And I do believe Michael Parsons is an animal. He's a beast. You know, no question about that. Mm-hmm. And if that's what he's using for motivation, by all means. Hey, Justin Jefferson, what did he come out and say last year? I'm going to be the best receiver in the game. Yeah. Look at the numbers he put up last year. Who was the number one receiver? Who was the number one receiver in the NFL last year? Justin Jefferson. He proved it. Michael Parsons feels that way. He's he was a defensive rookie of the year a few years ago. Had another good season last year. Hey, by all means, good luck to you. Because you know what? When when teams now scheme offensive scheme, they're scheming against you because they've identified you as their best defensive player. And let's play, let's face it, even with Stefan Gilmore there, Michael Parsons is the Cowboys' best defensive player. Sure. And teams are going to scheme for you. Now, you got to go out there and do similar to what you've done the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Vikings, this tells you about their depth situation because Rager's their number three. Um, <laughs> Nikhil Harry, who has yeah. never, who was just never worked out as an NFL player. Um, never played up to the standards that you thought he was going to coming out of college, but the Vikings bring him in as the number four. Um, and, and has some depth. Eh. Well, that's a meh. This is a guy who was a low first round draft pick who has never really panned out, never panned out in uh, in New England, and they got rid of him real quick. You know, they gave him every chance. Uh, it's on him now. You look at you you look at the Vikings passing structure. It is a pass team first, no question about it. Plus, you have one of the best young t- tight ends in the game. You made the trade to get T.J. Hawkinson from Detroit. You know, you drafted Jordan Addison. Um, Justin Jefferson is who he who he is. Um, I can see I can see Henry coming in there and and, and supplanting Jalen Rager as the number three. You know, what has Jalen Rager done in his NFL career? If you want to talk about first round bust, mm-hmm. what has he done in his career? It's a great yeah. opportunity for Henry to go in there and make a name for himself. Um, and and you're with a quarterback, and I can't say it enough, who's one of the best regular season quarterbacks in the NFL, and Kirk Cousins. So he's going to get his touch. If he makes that roster, he's going to get his touches to showcase what he can do, what he hasn't done up to this point in his career. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if we knew this or not, but he's another one who's turned down the Netflix uh, yeah. docuseries quarterback. I, I, Frankly, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a season two at this point, Derek. Dude, these young quarterbacks today, they don't want you all in their business. Yeah. I don't want Rob Ellis knowing what I do away from the camera. <laughs> Let alone the general public, let the, let the world into what you're all about. I don't want people. I don't want people to know that. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at the young quarterbacks who have turned it down, including Trevor Lawrence, what they've all said the same thing. At some point in my life, maybe that changes. Yeah, you know, they're, they're married, few kids, they're settled into what they do. They become very boring individuals away from the camera. But right now, even in Jacksonville, you know, Trevor Lawrence, hot commodity everywhere he goes. He's under the microscope. We don't know what he likes to do in terms of letting his hair down, his long golden manes down, right. uh, just to relax and get away from the X's and O's and the aches and pains of the game. And he maybe he doesn't want you to see that. I don't blame that for a young player. Yeah, I don't either. Look, you you ha- we talked about this. All three of those guys were married. They they were all, you know, pretty settled in life wise. You know, um, I, I, you know, probably didn't shine Mar- Mariota at the end in the greatest light in the world. And yeah. maybe some, maybe team quarterbacks looked at that and said, I, I don't know about this. So I, I understand it. I really do. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm surprised they were able to get three last year, but they did. 
All right. This is uh, the Saints. Interesting here. Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr working out. Kareem Hunt makes all the sense in the world. You're going to be without, we know this, Kamara for three games. Eno Benjamin got hurt also. Yep. They're super thin at running back. I, I would be shocked if this doesn't happen, if they don't close that. He doesn't get out of New Orleans without a contract. I can see them signing Kareem Hunt quicker than they signed Barr. You know, Barr is a good a good um, linebacker, but his, his play has declined over the last couple of years. Um, you put Kareem Hunt in that backfield with Alvin Kamara when he comes off suspension. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, you talk about a one-two punch in running back. My goodness. You know, to go down there with Derek Carr and Chris Olave and Michael Thompson if he's back, and now you've got Kareem Hunt to go along with Alvin Kamara, that is a lethal offensive game plan. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, I, I think like he could be a perfect fit down there. Well, I think it'll fit in great. I mean, think about if you're Derek Carr, man, you're, you'd be loving life. You would have so many, especially, like you said, after Kamara gets back. That's real. I mean, it, a lot of it's going to depend on the offensive line and how they can hold up. But yep. there won't be an excuse that he doesn't have enough weapons. He's going to have really good guys on the oh, outside and, and behind him in the backfield. And Kareem Hunt's coming off fresh legs. You know, he didn't take the abuse that Nick Chubb took last year. Yeah. Um, and if Kareem Hunt, even if he goes there for one year, just to get there, get his name back in, in, in a conversation, and then parlays that into decent money, you know, that's a great fit for him. You know, an yeah. offense is very uh, diversified, a lot of movement in the offense. They love to use the running backs out of the backfield down there as pass catchers as well as runners. Um, that's a perfect fit for Kareem Hunt. And he doesn't have to be the sole focal point running the football with Kamara back there as well. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, the Saints, add them to the list of, of starters who are going to play at least a little bit in this first game. Woo. Derek Carr is going to start. Well, he has to. I think he has to. You know, um, he's got to get on the same page with these guys. I don't blame him. Dennis yeah. Allen, it's a pivotal year for Dennis Allen down there. You know, and Derek Carr's got to get comfortable in, in Pete Carmichael's offense. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not surprised. I, I can't see them more playing more than a series or two, you know. Oh, and, I, I'd be almost surprised if it's more than one. You know what? And, and with that said, I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Carr played in, in, in the first two or three preseason games for them. Yeah. You know, just yeah. to get them on page, get them up to speed, come out of the gate running in that wide open division down there. So Aaron Rodgers has purchased a home in North Jersey, Jersey Montclair yeah. to be exact. T- care to take a guess at uh, what he plopped down for, for a nice little starter home for himself? Let's, let's see how Jersey robs you in property taxes and costs. I would say bare minimum seven and a half million. Nine and a half. Nine and a half million. Now it's it's I saw a picture of I'll see if maybe Tone can find it. I'm and I'm telling I'm giving this to him like on the fly, but there's a a great view. Like it's it's right over the the Hudson, I believe, from Gee. New York City. So you can see like the New York City skyline on the other side. Like in other words, if you were in Camden looking into Philadelphia, like you can see it uh from the other side. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool looking house, contemporary, very modern, but Sweet, as you would expect. I mean, look, guys making 33 this year. He can afford a $9 million house. Look, and not only that, let's say Aaron Rodgers decided after one year to call it a career yeah. and move back to California. Just because Aaron Rodgers lived in that house, he will make at least a couple million dollars profit on that house. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially in North Jersey, where you have all that North Jersey money and New York money across the river, New York money as well. Yeah, People who want to get out of New York and, and move across the river to Jersey. 
You want to see it? Huh? Oh my goodness. So that's oh, the yeah. front. Yeah, oh. like that's sort of I got, or maybe that is the backyard. I don't know. But there, there's a tone. I don't know if there is. I, again, I can't. I apologize. I don't know where I saw it last night. But um, there's one view looking out of the living room, like across the Hudson, which was just pretty ridiculous. So Dude, yeah, there's, there's too much glass for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's not a lot of privacy unless no. that tints. I, I would assume it probably tints. Well, I, I would. I would say he has the privacy he wants. I would imagine it come. That house comes with a good, maybe a couple acres of land. I would agree. And a fence. You know what I'm saying? And a gate. Yeah. Yeah. A gate, you know. Maybe a and, moat. <laughs> but in terms of just all that glass, you know, yeah. especially when the sun is beating down into your house, you got to crank that AC. It's yeah. good. Look, you, from what, from the point we can see, great views on two sides of the house. Put that up oh, there. Oh, here, here you go. Check that out. Are you kidding me? That's you, pretty you sweet. You sit in that chair right there all day and just look across the river. Yeah, that's a great view, but yeah. that's a lot of glass, man. Yeah, Tone, good hustle. But yeah, that that's uh, that's a pretty. Here we go, nice Tone. That's imagine just relaxing, kick, kicking your feet up, and uh, just just looking out the window, man. Oh my you know, What else do you need to do? You get get a dark room going, some ayahuasca, and and look out the your, your great view that you have. Um, Joe Mixon, we kind of figured that where this was going. Um, there's a civil suit with that neighbor. This whole thing's been a mess. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's always there's always something that's kind of following Joe Mixon. It feels like, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I'm sure he's going to end up paying a lot of money. And it's kind of thing that it's like I don't know what went down. I have no idea who's at fault. Whatever. Yeah. But when you are an athlete with that kind of money, you know, you are everybody asking for trouble. You're all you're always open. You're always open to being sued for something, man. You could accidentally step on somebody's toe, and they may sue you. You you hurt me. What? You know, we've seen we've seen crazy lawsuits, not just filed, but won by some of the craziest th things ever. Um, and you're right. When you're a high profile entertainer and they figure you're making a lot of money, somebody somehow is going to try to get a, get a piece of. It. Hey, one other thing to keep in mind, and it, we we obsess. So and I do. I'm the I'm like the leader of the pack with Sippos, but the Cowboys have all go. kinds of kicking issues. OK. And they have now released Tristan Vizcaino. He's gone. Mm. Um, the, the only other kicker on the roster is a guy named Brandon Aubrey. Yeah. Um, after the release of him is that I would admit you got a couple guys who are actually, okay. They're old, but they're decent. Like Robbie gold is still out there. Yeah. Um, Mason Crosby. I know he's seen better years. He's still out there. Yep. Um, but in eight padded practices, Vizcaino has made 22 of 37. That's 13 misses. Ooh. Ooh. That's yeah. Four for eight in the most recent Cowboys practice Saturday and missed four straight Ooh. at one point. Aubrey was playing in the USFL with the Birmingham Stallions. Wow. He hasn't been great either. 26 of 35. Oh. One of three in endgame situations. That, that's If Dallas doesn't get this straightened out or, and or they have some unknown guy, could bite them late games in, in, a, in a tight one for sure. Well, that, that's a great advantage Eagles have. You feel great about Jake Elliott. Heck yes. Well, of the kickers – of any notoriety out there, you mentioned two of them. Crosby, Crosby's thirty-two. Uh, is that Ryan, all he is? Yeah, Ryan Suckup. Now Ryan Suckup is thirty-seven. Man, he's still out there. Robbie Gold is forty-one. <laughs> and, and I thought I thought I would if you I would have said Mason Crosby's thirty-eight. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Correction, correction. Mason Crosby's thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Okay. okay. So the so your primary kickers you're looking at are thirty-nine. 37 and 41. 
And then there's Randy Bullock, who was kicker of the Titans last year. He's out there. He's 34. Yeah. You, you start getting there. into that, that that sort of vortex of these guys. Yeah. You know, and Gold's had a great career. I, I would take Gold in a second. Yeah, I, I, I'm frankly surprised the Niners didn't let him go. He, he doesn't have the distance anymore, but he's accurate. But, you know, mm-hmm. you also see Cowboys are going to go for it a lot. Oh, heck yeah. They're going to go for it a ton. I mean, that, that's the way the league's trending anyway, but they're going to go for it. You would put Robbie Gold on the priority list, even though he's forty-one. Over over Crosby, yeah, I think he's got more in the tank than Crosby does. Mm, okay. huh? oh, I don't know. Look, I don't love any of the options. Let me be clear: not, none I of this agree. is good. But it's actually real good. <laughs> but none are good for the Cowboys. Wow! Uh, at this point, all right. So we will uh, we'll hit it, Derek. We're going to come back. We'll we'll. Uh, We'll circle back to some Eagles. We'll also look at uh, the U.S. women's team that was eliminated, uh, and some folks are retiring. A, white, a former White Sox player rips the culture of the team. Jose Ramirez drops Tim Anderson in, in actually a real actual baseball fight uh, that we saw. And like I said, we'll talk some Eagles as well. So you don't want to go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right back. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. 
GLES Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. We are Sports Take, biggest sports YouTube network. All right, Gunner, let's circle back to uh, the big stories of the day. So yesterday, the Eagles cut Davion Taylor, and they signed Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham, two linebackers, and we talked a little bit earlier about it, uh, you know, what I did, and we talked to Chris Franklin about it as well. So you view this more of a reflection of just overall general lack of depth and the possibility that Nicholas Morrow could be in a little bit of trouble more than it being a concern for Nicobe Dean. Yeah. Um, I think it's too early to, to, um, to critique Kobe, uh, Nicobe. Um, he's basically a rookie. You know, if you think about it, he's, he's a rookie learning his way with a great upside, you know, and he's calling the defenses. So there's a learning curve involved in here. They're going to give him a little bit more leeway. When you look at Amaro, he's been around. I mean, he came, he came off a big year. Maybe Desai identified, hey, this is not exactly what we're looking for, you know, in the wheel position. And you bring in two guys who are much bigger linebackers, who have been in the league a little bit longer, who uh, have had some success. Although I do have my concerns about Miles Jack's knee issue. You know, when you hear the word degenerative knee, that means it's deteriorating. Now, yeah. How long can that knee hold up? I don't know because mm-hmm. the knee issue has been a problem with him for the last couple of years now. Um, in Cunningham, you know, Cunningham is, is a good run defender, but it's okay as a pass defender. Now, what are they asking in this defense? What are they asking these linebackers to do? You know, what what is their focal point? Are they more concerned about having runner, linebackers who are stouter against the run or who are flexible in both areas of run and the pass or – who is specialist in one? We can we can give up one aspect if we can get this. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know because they're not going to tip their hand. But the fact that they they delete one linebacker yet bring in two depth issue, and I think there's some genuine concern about Mara on the outside. I think it's similar to Kazir White when they brought him in from the Chargers. Everybody's just salivating over Kazir White. First half of the season, he's playing like game busters all over the field. Then all of a sudden, he started fading down the stretch. Even even in the playoffs, you yeah, know? he was not great. No, yes, you know, all and, and how much players, is that? His size wearing him down. Yeah, you know, all, all the other players getting accolades even through the playoffs for their defensive prowess. He wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, and I wonder if they see that and if they've identified that. You're talking about two linebackers in Dean and 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 um, Morrow. Morrow who go about two fifteen, two twenty maybe. You know, and there has to be con- concerns. Run defense was a problem. If, if they get past our front line, what kind of linebackers do we have filling the gaps? Do we have linebackers that can shed blocks and, and, and make the plays? I don't know, you know. But I think it's interesting they went out and brought two vets in and not just one. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, to me, was, okay, you know, wake-up time. And there could be changes on the on the horizon here. And, I, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Christian Ellis has been getting as many reps as, reps as he's been getting. Uh, I think there's a reason for that. And again, the great part is the Eagles don't wait around. If they're seeing it's not good early, think about it. They're doing this before the first preseason games even been played. Right. That's pretty quick. Right. You know, and you can look at one of two ways, either they're rushing to judgment a little bit, or it's pretty obvious that they need some help. 
You're right. And we won't know because they're not going to tell you. I mean, at least they waited until X amount of games into a season before they identified. We need some we need some the cavalry to come in and help us in our run defense. And when they went out and got two of the biggest guys they could find to help stuff the run. Um, and, and the run defense looked a lot different for a good stretch of the season. But then all of a sudden they started getting gassed again towards the latter part of the season to where they were giving up 121 yards a game rushing, running yeah. the football. Look, to give you an example, so Miles Jack, you talked about what what the weight is on the on the other two guys. Miles Jack, Miles Jack is two forty four. Yes, six one two forty four. So, you know, certainly stouter in that sense. He he was with Jacksonville from sixteen to twenty one. He was a guy at UCLA. Remember, he played running back and linebacker. He was, yeah, he was a big time talent. But he falls to what three hundred and thirty eight or third round, whatever he ended up being. Miles Jack was uh, drafted in the second round. Second round, okay. He was uh, he was rated the best linebacker coming out of the draft he was in, but he ended up being, I believe, the fifth linebacker taken in his draft for whatever reason. And there was a lot of concern uh, after he went through, you know, a combine and, and all the teams, you know, pro- probed and prodded him and tested a knee. There was concerns about his knee, and that's why he dropped in the draft um, behind a number of other linebackers, you know. Yeah, and to his credit, he's been you know pretty durable. Uh, if you look at it, uh, sixteen games his rookie year, second year, third year, eleven games in twenty nineteen, fourteen, fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, he he has missed some time for sure. Uh, he started thirteen games last year for the Steelers. You know, one hundred and four combined tackles, sixty one solo, uh, three tackles for losses. He got to the quarterback once. You know, he, he's been a good player. He's not been an outstanding player. And, you know, he is only 20. So he came to the league at 20. Yeah. Very, very young when he came into the league. So, um, you know, he, I don't know that he's done by any stretch. You know, I don't know that that's the case. But you just wonder just what is the production level. And you, you raise a great point. What is Pittsburgh doing getting rid of him? Now, Zach Cunningham, on the other hand, uh, he's got who started out his career in Houston. So he's there for the first, what, four, one, two, three, four years. Um, then he ends up uh, getting uh, moved in 21 to Tennessee. He got cut after six games last year. Yep. That's not a great sign. You know? No. And yep. again, he's not old either. He's 20, what is he, 28? He's 28. Yeah, he'll be 29 in December. Yeah. You, you look at Miles Jack, his first year of, this, of his career, he started out as a Sam backer. Yeah, the very, next, the very next season they moved him to the mic. Now, was that because he he couldn't do it from the outside? Is he stouter in the middle against the run? But you have Nicobe Dean here, who's grooming to be the inside linebacker. So where does Miles Jack play? Is he the will? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting move in terms of how they're gonna what they what they see in him, what they've identified in him that could help him. Who knows? There's no guarantee that, that either one of these guys can make the roster or both will make the roster for that matter. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee. One, I assume one will make the roster for sure. And I think Miles Jack has a better chance of making a roster than Cunningham. But, you know, as we continue to go forward, who knows? There's so many question marks with this linebacking situation. We don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, the, the thing is, I, I would imagine, and I'm sure we'll get the details of this. First of all, neither one are making a whole lot. And secondly, if if, if Nicholas Morrow's deal is not guaranteed, then 
I can't imagine either one of these two deals are guaranteed. So you you can get out of this relatively easy. Well, didn't, didn't, they, didn't they sign Jack to a two year deal or one year deal? Was Jack two? What, I don't know. I thought I saw two. I don't know. I, I thought it was one. Um, but the money they that they, worth up to two, yeah, two two point five each. Okay, they get a little higher with incentives. Okay, um, so obviously they have a better projection of Miles than they do of, of Cunningham. You know, and, and I think, you know, I think that's a big red flag. The fact that Cunningham was cut after six games. You know, why? Why was he cut? You know. Mm-hmm. He's had a measure of success. He's still in the prime of his career at 28. Right. He's had some injuries. Okay, but what player doesn't? What, what is it about him that Tennessee said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. We see what we, we, we've seen enough. We, we know what we need to know. Yeah, that, that to me, that's more like if Miles Jack is here in, in a break glass in case of emergency role, okay with that. You know, yeah. I, I'm fine Absolutely. with that. Um, but but this gets back to the bigger point. Just because these guys are here right now doesn't mean there isn't more coming. True. More that's going to be happening. Where? We don't know. Well, that, Howie, that's where they could come in for a trade, too. Right, exactly. With Howie, we don't know what they're thinking. You know, Chris brought up a good point. Concerns at the safety spot. Are they looking at some of the free agent safeties out there and possibly bring them in on an organization-friendly deal? You know? Um, just because Terrell Edmonds is here doesn't necessarily mean he locks down that spot. You don't want to rush uh, Sidney Brown too soon. You know, there's, there is a learning curve there with Sidney Brown. Um, Reed Blankenship, how happy or dissatisfied are they with Reed Blankenship? Yeah. We don't know. No, you know, no we don't. We don't. And I think if you're still talking about most likely to happen at a position, it's one of those two positions, right? Without has to be. I mean, the only other – I don't even think they would do this. Would, would you consider bringing in another receiver? I don't think so, but uh, – Let's see. Sirianni brought in a guy he's familiar with uh, from the Colts. Uh, that didn't work out too well. Um, you're bringing in a guy who's 5'8". Quez Watkins, huge question mark. I, I – I don't know. They yeah. might they might rock. I would watch that one. That's definitely one to keep your, your eye on for sure. All right. Uh, U.S. women's team, Derek, eliminated from the World Cup. Uh, highly disappointing. They were the favorites going in. Um, you could kind of see this building with them. Uh, they, they, they weren't able to score a whole lot. Of, they had three goals against Vietnam, who other teams were beating like 7 nothing and 9 nothing, et cetera. They didn't do a whole lot there offensively. They had one other goal. Um, on a header and they lost in penalty kicks um, and were eliminated by Sweden in, in, in that game. They had four goals in four games. So they, they weren't scoring anywhere near at the level that they needed to score and they're out. And there's a lot of criticism of their coach, a lot of criticism of the players. Julie Ertz is retiring. Megan Rapino is done as well. So they'll lo- they're going to lose some pieces here, you know, for sure. But they're uh, they're out. And this was highly disappointing uh, for a lot of folks. I didn't see it. I was at 5 a.m. Uh, Saturday, Sunday morning. I didn't see it. Um, there's so much to the backstory of what they didn't do about this. Uh, they didn't have some of their key players because of injuries. 
there was reports out there that the coaches, the coaches, decision makers made made poor decisions in terms of how the roster was constructed. Right. Um, pl- certain players playing out of position. You know, Julie Ertz uh, didn't play the position that she thought she was going to play. Uh, so on and so forth. You know, you you had a lot of you had a lot of question marks going into the, the cup tournament play and coming out even more so now about how poorly, you know, this was all put together. Um, and now you're talking about players who were retired. Obviously there was a lot of frustration for players who announced this quickly that they're retiring from the game. There's a lot of frustration as well. Maybe, and maybe they, they just took certain teams that were going to play for granted and got caught. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Carly Lloyd was very critical after they, they got in on that zero, zero tie. Right. And she, got a lot of backlash from her former teammates on the team, et cetera. But, you know, and then she kind of walked it back a little, but I give her credit. She, she wasn't afraid to to speak her mind and she did. And she, she laid in them pretty good. Her concern was, you know, you barely won the game to begin with and you're, you're on the field kind of dancing around, taking pictures, celebrating. Yeah, yeah. She didn't like the, the approach. So, um, you know, I, I would guess, you know, what often happens is the coach is the one who, who takes the brunt and he'll be bounced. He won't be coaching them, uh, you know, going forward. Right, the, right. I believe the Olympics are in two years, so they're going to have to get their act together. They, they need more scoring punch for sure. I wonder what they do with Alex Morgan, who was very quiet uh, during this too. So, I don't know. going to be a tough one. Tough one to see. Uh, all right. The, the, uh, the fight heard around the world. So, Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson on Saturday. So, Ramirez slides in sort of between the legs of Anderson and he, he was sort of looking for like a help helping him up, like a hand. All right, pull me up. Anderson wouldn't do it. They start jawing. All of a sudden the glove drops and they square like hockey, man. Yeah. And they square up and then they kind of go at it a little bit. Look like Anderson may have landed something on Ramirez and then Ramirez got him really good. And Anderson went down. Everybody goes crazy. Benches start to clear the whole nine. And then it, and then it turns into insanity, but it was one, like I said earlier, it's one of the few times we actually really had something and it wasn't just, you know, guys being held back. It it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. I got to tell you, you know, you realize now the, the embarrassment Anderson has to endure from, from his fans and his peers. Oh yeah. It's that line from the movie Friday. You got knocked the bleep out. Uh Uh-huh. You know, um, and he's a talker because he was yapping throughout the game with with one of their rookies too. Dude, uh, that thing Cleveland. went viral. That thing went viral so quick it wasn't even funny, you know. Um, and, and so now he's got to live with that for the rest of the season. You can't go into hiding now, buddy. You mm-hmm. still got a lot of baseball to play. But you're right. I haven't seen I haven't seen a, a brawl like that in quite some time, man. You know. And when you think about what led to it, it was trivial at best. It, it wasn't like going back and forth, you know, pitchers hitting batters and, you know, other team retaliating, you know, it was something, it was based, something basic you see all the time. Yeah. Unless there's a backstory that they have some history we don't know about, some some tense his, history between them that we have not heard about yet. But, dude, I have to say from a fan perspective, man, that was funny to watch. Yeah, it, it was. was uh, all right, beyond that. So uh, I, this, this was, uh, I guess, not shocking when you look at their record. Mm. But the White Sox have had a miserable year. Uh, you know, that's for sure. It's just been just been bad on so many levels. But so they traded away one of their relief pitch, pitchers, uh, Kenyon Middleton, got traded to the Yankees. Yeah. Man, did he tee off on the White Sox? 
Um, so they're 45 and 68 under first year manager Pedro Grafal, who took over for Tony La Russa, right? And Middleton said, quote, we came in with no rules. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Like, how do you say anything about it because there are no rules? You have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing PFPs, that's pitcher fielding practices, and there are no consequences for any of this stuff. And, and according to ESPN, they corroborated what Middleton said with guys on the team. So it's not like this is just some guy who's ticked off and popping off. Like he's apparently it's real. And I don't know, probably doesn't bode well for this guy who's in his first year as their manager. He, he might be going bye-bye, I would guess. I was going to say uh, he could be out the door real quick. I mean, that explains why they're 23 games below sea level mm-hmm. and 14 games out of first place and minus 94 in the run differential. Yeah. You know, if it's basically the inmates are running the asylum, it's, it could be another Nathaniel Hackett situation all over again. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's a good yeah. cop. It's a good a, cop. And when a former player can't wait to spout off about the culture or lack thereof, yeah. from an organizational standpoint, it's embarrassing enough we're going through the season we're going through. And now a former player couldn't even – he barely got the other team's jersey on. He's already spouting off about what was lacking in his previous stop. Yeah. Uh, the first place I'm starting, the fall guy has to be the manager in this case. Yeah. And GM's going to wear it, too, I would think. All right, birthdays. You ready? Ready to do some birthdays? Let's get to the birthdays. We're going to start with a big one here. The oldest 25-year-old on the face of the earth, Jalen Hurts. (laughs) The most mature man at 25 that's ever lived, Jalen Hurts. Yes, he's only 25. Yeah, old man hurts. Okay. Yeah, uh, amazing. I I mean, are you kidding me? I I couldn't even tie my shoes when I was 25. This guy, this guy's (laughs) unbelievable. All right. So, uh, happy birthday, Jalen. Harold uh, Pierneau, who is an excellent actor in a lot of different stuff. I loved him in Lost, uh, but he's been in a lot of different things over the years. He is 60 years old today. Uh, All right. I'm going to throw a name at you, and you tell me if you recognize the name. Carl Switzer. Ooh, why, why should I know that name? I'm not. I'm not gonna because of time. I'm not gonna sit here and him and haw. Fill in the blanks. All right, th- this is this is really old school. Okay, he was Alfalfa in the yes. Little Rascals. Known that. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, died very young. It was a, ugly. It was tragic. It was just bad. But anyway, he was born you know, on this he, day. He, he, he's his claim to fame. Is is Alfalfa, but you know he was in other prominent movies like It's a Wonderful Life and White and White Christmas. Yeah, he he may have had a career, but yeah, things, things went sideways for Alfalfa in real life. All right, he was born in twenty seven. Lee Corso still doing it at ESPN at eighty eight years young. Man, uh, Charlize Theron, yeah. forty eight. Go ahead, Strong. say it. Go ahead. Wrong. <laughs> Mike Trout, 32 years old. Man, he I can't believe he's in his 30s now. Yep. Um, Sidney Crosby. One of your favorite players to hate. Oh, 36. What a career. He he has had he is a great player. DeMar DeRozan is 34 years old. Michael Shannon, good actor, is 49 years old today. David Duchovny, X-Files fame, 63 years old. Well, that, that dude's had a weird lifetime off away from movies. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he had some addictions that weren't substance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Wayne Knight. He may not know the name, but you know who he is. He's Newman from Seinfeld. Yeah. He is 68 years old today. Our guy, Kyler Murray, 26. How about Kyler Murray and, and Jalen Hurts sharing a birthday? Yeah, the Energizer Bunny. So they're only a year apart. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're because they, one was he was a year ahead of him in Oklahoma. Uh, Francesca Eastwood, who is one of Clint Eastwood's children, she is thirty years old today. Maggie Wheeler, the actress, she was in uh, Friends and some other stuff. She's sixty-two. She was Janice. Remember Janice Jan- with and- the annoying laugh, <laughs> like the nasal. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, uh, B.J. Thomas. Of uh, the singer, uh, raindrops keep falling on my head, Derek. Yep, yep. <laughs> he was born on this day in 1942. I feel that way now. Yes. Well, it's, it's kind of a weird day, right? Is it raining now? It was raining about two o'clock in the morning. It was coming down pretty. It good. It was coming down hard. Uh, beyond that, Tobin Bell is 81 years old. Don Larson. How about this guy, Don Larson? Yep. Back yep. to back, no nos. Uh, in 1929 or no hitter in a perfect game in a, in a playoff game uh alan page the great alan page of the vikings yep 78 years young today all right what else do you have uh matahari um the former dutch exotic dancer who was executed for being a spy mm. i was born on this day in 1876 bruce dickerson the lead singer from iron maiden 65 okay uh jimmy wales the co-founder of wikipedia Yes, that's a good one. 57. Uh, Billy Burke, who played Glenda, the Good Witch of the North, in the the original Wizard of Oz, Yeah, was born on this day in 1884. Jeez. Uh, Nicholas Ray, director of the movie Rebel Without a Cause, was born on this day in 1911. Uh, Hans Matheson, Clash of the Titans, 300, men, uh, Rise of the Empire, the movie 300, which I love, okay. 45. To Sean Gibson, safety for the Niners, 33. Yep. Former Major League great Edgar Renteria. Remember that name? Edgar Renteria, yep. Great shortstop. Uh, seven time, he played seven different teams. You know, five-time five, to, five time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, 48. Fred Brown, former Seattle – the guard for Seattle Supersonics. Yeah. Who happened also to be from the great city of Milwaukee. Downtown Freddie time. Brown. Yep. Yep, 75 on this day. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go movies, and then I'll give you the Phillies lineup for tonight. Unforgiven. Yes. Clint Eastwood, Morgan uh, Freeman, uh, one of the all-timers, 1992. Fantastic Four, 2015. Yep. We're the Millers, 2013. I love that movie. Very funny. Jennifer Aniston. The great. scene with the tarantula gets on that guy's. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> Uh, Julie and Julia, 2009. Uh, who's that girl? Madonna, 1987. What else do you have? Uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, 2013. Spy Kids, number two, 2002. Three Ninjas, 1992. And G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. I like that movie. It was uh, 2009. Okay. All right. Let me give you the, uh, the lineups for the Phillies tonight. All right. Kyle Schwarber leads off. He's DHing. Alec Bohm, two-hole, uh, playing third. Bryce Harper's at first uh, tonight, not DHing. Batting cleanup is Nick Castellanos in right field. Bryson Stott hits fifth at second. JT Real Muto catching today, batting sixth. Seventh is Trey Turner at shortstop, so he will bat seventh. Nick Cave gets to start in left field. He will bat eighth and batting ninth. 
uh, Johan Rojas. He will play center field. Ranger Suarez on the hill for the Phillies. He's been kind of a little up and down lately. Yep. Derek. They, yep. they need him to get right again. Just just get back on track. Um, I agree. He's a big piece of this thing. Hopefully they get this game in tonight. There's talk, there's talk about the possibility of two uh, thunderstorms moving this way this evening. Yeah, like I was looking at it earlier, and it's going to hit like right uh, – looks like 8, 9, and 10. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what time does the game start? 6.40? 6.40. Well, maybe they can get one of these speed games in. They could. If they fly, they maybe yeah. could get a – you know, get one in. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – that's uh the the forecast does not look all that promising it's been a weird day been, been yeah. we, like you said yeah. we got a lot of rain last night um and then kind of overcast you know today and foggy you know it's just sort of now sun, sun's out shining brightly oh you got sun now yeah i'm sorry yeah, i'm still in the i'm overcast still yeah I, I not, not terrible yeah i got yeah. sun here so okay all right uh eagles practice again tomorrow so they'll have three straight practices uh, which will take you up to Friday. Yep. And then I'm sure Friday will be a walkthrough. Uh, and then they have the game on Saturday at Baltimore. And, you know, I, I'll be keep my eye on what rookies get some time. You know, what, mm-hmm. what guys who we're talking about here, will they work Miles Jack into things? Will they work Zach Cunningham into things? You know, the veterans just to get them, you know, some hits and get them acclimated to football again. So we'll see. Uh, and the Phillies four game set, all 640 starts. Uh, with the Washington Nationals, even though they played good of late, you should still be able to take care of business against yep. that team. That's for sure. Uh, I right, want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, excellent job, as always, producing the program. Thank you, Tone. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Awesome job. Funny stuff, as always. And everybody streaming, everybody listening, we appreciate you, as always. All right, uh, Derek and I do it again. Same time tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. He's Derek on. I'm Rob Ellis. Don't go anywhere. We got three hours of the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. So everybody have a great rest of your Monday, and we will see you on Tuesday. Thanks. Peace out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.